All right, guys, real quick, before we get this episode started, we are kind of talking about some really graphic topics, so we just wanted to throw in a quick disclaimer before we got started. So, this episode contains graphic descriptions of material that may seem extremely heinous or offensive. It's all love, but we're going to talk about torture, incest, murder of family members, necrophilia, rape, pedophilia, lactation, feces, sodomy, animal abuse, abortion, and infanticide. All right, enjoy the show, guys. Good times are killing us. Yo, 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 welcome to the Good Times Are Killing Us podcast. It's your boy David, and I'm here with K-Town. K-Town. And as always, Marquise. Yo, 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 we're back. We're back, baby. And today, we're we're talking talking about Ichi the Killer, but even more so, the infamous director, Takashi Miike. Is it Miike or Miike? Miike. Let's let's get that out of the way real quick. Actually, yeah, let's get this right. Let's get our pronunciations down. Miike. Miike. Takashi Miike. Takashi Miike. Not Takashi Mike. Yeah. It's not Takashi Mike. You fucking uncultured swine. Pieces of shit. Peasants. <laughs> yes, it's M I I K E. So yeah, again, not Mike. It's not Takashi Mike. Takashi Miike. Takashi Mai. Yes, so Takashi Miike is a Japanese film director best known for his contributions to the horror genre through films such as Audition and Ichi the Killer, although he's credited as directing over 100 films spanning from the extremely Oof. violent and absurd to comedic and family-friendly. My boy's, boy's a hustler. Yeah, he's got so many movies and so many different... He's got many styles, and he's coming at you from a lot of different angles. Yeah, so right off the top, we're not going to be able to cover... We're not covering all of his movies today. No. <laughs> no. no. There's no, no way. There, you'd I mean, be a fool. <laughs> yeah. You, you'd have to, like... That would be, like, a fucking semester in college. That'd be more than that. This would be, like, an entire degree just to watch all this guy's movies. He's prolific as fuck. A Takashi degree. Su- super fucking prolific. And real quick, I just want to mention the kind of context of beginning this idea. Like, when we first got the idea to do uh, an episode about, like, movies or a movie... K-Town, you were like, let's do an episode on each of the killer. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, how do we get an angle on this? Let's think about Japanese horror. And I thought about the Japanese horror movies that I had seen. And I was like, okay, I've seen a movie called Audition and Imprint. And then I looked them up, and then I realized, oh, shit, these are all the exact same director. It's all the same dude, man. Exactly. They're out here putting it out, putting in work. So he's done a lot of great movies. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of uh, – we're going to go through – at least 10 of them today, uh, a couple deep dives, especially into Ichi the Killer, because that's probably his most uh, famous and prominent film. Um, but let's get into his bio real quick. So, Takashi Miike was born in 1960 in Yeo, Japan, a small village outside of Osaka, which is like a, a bigger city. Um, and he came from humble beginnings. His mother was a seamstress, his father was a welder, and a little bit of a drinker and a gambling man. Your boy yeah. was out here. He was in these streets. Mm-hmm. His dad was in these streets. Like like most fathers. You know. <laughs> like most fathers. He was a drinker. He was a gambler. He was a new metal dad. For yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. If, he, if Takashi Miike was around for the new metal, he would have definitely beat up his dad. <laughs> there would have been some beatings in that house. <laughs> probably, probably, okay, well, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, considering his movies, I would not be surprised if he dealt with some bullshit. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the neighborhood that he grew up in was like kind of a relatively poor area with a large immigrant population. Um, he was surrounded by other teenage boys 
boys who considered a life of crime and the Yakuza to be a viable option. So it's kind of like if you grow up in the hood and you see people getting in gangs or if you were like a young Italian kid in New York during whatever time period, that was a very lucrative option. You see an easy way out of poverty and these guys are making money and they're cool and they have respect and people look up to them. It's that classic story of like, you know, you don't have shoes and you see these guys <laughs> in suits with like cars and money and you know pompadours who came know, from pompadours. the same roots as you probably yeah yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. You, you see yourself represent you're like wait i could be this guy i should be this guy you yeah know, it's it's a sad story so he was around all this type of shit he was he kind of came from a raw place um and while he actually originally said that um or hold on yeah he originally said that he wanted to be like a, a dirt biker or a rock singer um, even though, like, he himself, like, he, he had said that he could have turned to a life of crime. He could have been one of those guys. Oh, yeah, for sure. He could have been in there. Mm-hmm. He could have been one of these. He'd be a boss by now. I mean, he still leaned towards extreme stuff, like even dirt biking, rock music. Those are both kind of, like, rough and tumble type of uh, hobbies. Um, but regardless, while these influences and the tendency to gravitate towards extreme, um, uh, like violence and extreme elements of life will be represented in his later movies, he took a very different path in life after being inspired to be a filmmaker after watching Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon when he was just a teenager. That was a, that was a big movie for that whole, like, just all of Eastern culture, like... He was really like their first like big like movie star. Oh yeah, dude, Bruce Lee. Bruce was Lee, huge. like yeah, he was the start of everything for them, like movie wise. Like, I mean, he was a badass guy that the yeah. entire world was interested in. So he was he was a really good representation exactly. of Japanese culture. Mm. He was a positive re- representation. Yeah. He wasn't like what was that Breakfast in, at Tiffany's like the dude with the like the fake teeth like doing oh, bad yeah. oh yeah accent. oh hello like he, remember, he was like a good legitimate like role model they could look up to and bruce lee talked about that a lot how like there are all these really negative portrayals of asian culture yeah. really stereotypical which still which real quick before we get too much into this i'm sorry sorry oh no wow. i'm sorry if we if we mispronounce that was not <laughs> even intentional <laughs> that was all me I'm sorry if we mispronounce any of these names. Uh, we were not able to look up every single Japanese name of a movie or person or whatever. Um, we're trying. We're trying our best. You know, we're trying our best. We're just a bunch of dumb American dudes here. We're just chilling. Um, but anyway, Takashi Miike said that he wanted to be like Bruce Lee. He saw Bruce Lee. He wanted to be that cool, tough guy, kung fu guy. But he was like a short guy, really frail. Um, so even though he could never become a badass like Bruce Lee... He set out to make tough guy uh, characters in his movies. So when Mike was 18, he actually went to film school, but he was an infamously bad student. Like he, Not good. Yeah, he would just skip classes. Um, he was rarely ever there. Like The attendance records show that he was just never there. Um, <laughs> Your boy was bullshitting and partying. You yeah. Know? He was like, oh, shit, I got to get up at when? <laughs> <laughs> and he shows up at the end of class like, oh, all right, whatever, like. But he, I mean, although even though he uh, he didn't really go to class as much, he did soon after get picked up and uh, doing gigs for like local television companies, and that's kind of like he was like a school of hard knocks type of guy. He learned by how to be a filmmaker by just being on set. He just jumped into it instead of studying the trade. He just went in and just started working from the bottom. Exactly, because yeah. he was bored by the uh, the school environment. So he worked as an assistant director eventually for his television company, and he worked there for 10 years. So 10 years of just being an AP. Just of just doing the time, putting the work in, just like 
just on all aspects, just being on set and doing all that shit, like getting that real hard knock yeah. education, seeing how it all really works. But also, this is important because, like we said, he made a hundred movies. He's on a film set every single day. It's his day job. And eventually, when he became a filmmaker, that just kind of became his what he always did. He was like, "This is what I did for ten years, and now I'm a director. I'm going to keep doing it." But um, he finally directed his first movie in 1995 called Shinjuku Triad Society. And this, among his other early films, were extremely low-budget, straight-to-video movies that enjoyed moderate success in the V-cinema industry, um, which was very big in Japan at the time. So V-cinemas were shown... They were like little theaters that showed only direct-to-video movies. And because these were so popular, you had a lot of kind of like low-budget movies coming out in Japan because they were like, okay, we can make this, we can show in a theater, we can put it um, on video, like we can actually get some decent revenue from it. So there's a lot of room for like experimental directors and people doing weird shit. Um, Just because it's not it's not broadcast to a broad audience. This is a very niche group of people. Mm-hmm. It'd be like... And this is actually a really sick idea. It'd be like... If there was a uh, a B movie theater here, where you, where you could go watch like I don't know, fucking there's probably better examples like, but I guess like Sharknado in a movie That'd theater, be sick, like a sci-fi theater, know? dude. Imagine if there was like a or Netflix. If you, could, if you could go see fucking like Troll Two in a theater, yeah, you know, well, we and it was we- like, and the theater was relatively packed. Mm-hmm. I feel like we kind of have that. Do we? The narrow. A no, little, no. Don't tell me about no Rocky that. horror. Like no, I mean, you. but they they play stuff like The Room and like Troll Two sometimes. Okay, but those are like old. All the time, those are like but, old cult movies. I think it'd be cool yeah. if like you had like like Netflix original movies. Like, why can I see those in theaters? Because those are some dumb ass movies. Why can't there just be like a little theater? That's kind of like low budget, was. but low budget like B movies. Yeah, and that's a lot of the, those Netflix movies. I think kind of are like that, but that's kind of like what they were doing here. But because of this, I mean, you got a lot of kind of like raw movies. You got gangster movies. You got comedy, and uh, quote unquote erotica movies. Mm. So I don't know if that's porn. That's porn. That's, you know porn. that's, that's, that's <laughs> porn. probably softcore porn. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's softcore shit. But there wasn't much censorship. So, again, Takashi Miike is used to working on movies constantly. He goes in the V-cinema industry for years where he's just making movies that have barely any censorship. So for almost 15 years, he's just on this type of grind that would shape the rest of his career. Um, so finally, things started popping off in 1999 after directing eight of these movies, eight Fuck. of these V-cinema movies. Yeah. Fuck. Like a whole fucking career for a lot of directors. By that time, he finally released Audition in October of... <laughs> <laughs> in October of 1999. Yeah, eight movies. Like, Quentin Tarantino is out here bragging, like, and his, like, the credits for his new movie, like, the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this dude, like, rocked out eight movies and then did just off dick four right years. Here. Just off dick. He was just like, movie, movie. Yeah. He puts out multiple movies, like, every year. But we'll, we'll talk about that again a little yeah. bit later. Um, but Audition is a, it's a pretty, I mean, K-Town, you just watched this movie today. Uh, what'd you, what'd you yeah, think Yeah, dude, it? it was by far, in my opinion, the best movie he's put out that I've seen. I haven't mm-hmm. seen all hundred, but, uh, it's a really good movie. It's a slow Wait, burn. you didn't see all hundred? No, no. Uh, <laughs> I wish. I'm sorry I didn't. Dude, you got your homework. We didn't put in the, the, the word like y'all did, but, uh, no, it's, it's a good slow burn. It's got a really good story, really good premise, um, and it just really builds up, and then that last 10, 15 minutes just fucks with you, dude. Yeah, yeah it's real rough. Most of these movies that we, like, watched, or these, this, like, group of movies, they are a, a bit of a slow burn. Like, they, you, mm-hmm. like, or, or they sometimes come in a little hot and then, like, just kind of, like, 
drop out for a little bit in the middle, like where you're like, all right, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, again? audition by far though is like I think the biggest one because it, it legitimately for like the first it's a it's a two hour long movie. You want to go into the plot a little bit? Well, yeah. So basically, yeah. um, this guy um, loses his wife um, at a pretty early stage in his life. His son's like five or six. The wife passes. You know, they live, they grow up. Dude's a successful businessman. And he like never remarries. He again. never remarries. Yeah. Never really dates. He's just you know devotes his life to his work and his son. And his son. Uh, the movie picks up uh, like his son's like college age. He's like studying dinosaurs or some shit. And he tells his dad, you know, you don't seem happy. You should start dating. So he goes to a bar and he's talking with his friend. And his friend like is like a movie producer. And his friend's like, well, if you want to date a woman, it's really hard at our age to find. Cause they're like they're like forties, like early fifties. This is also probably yeah. before like internet dating. Well, I yeah. think internet dating was probably just popping off. Right it was then. like ninety nine. So it's like, not like what it is now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, like, it was it was hard like chat room shit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like, why don't we? Why don't I? I have this script kind of throw away. You know, I might be able to make a movie out of it. But why don't I just? You know, we auditioned the role and you. Just just come Real in and quick. pick yeah, out yeah. one of these chicks. So he he holds a, a it's basically like a fake audition. They kind of want to do something with it, but well, they're not they're not upset if like it doesn't go through. Yeah, like, they don't have funding yet, but it's mainly they're like it's just if it happens, it happens. But mainly they're doing it for the dude so he could find a girlfriend. Yeah, because the idea is okay. What there's an excuse to have thirty different women come in. You get to find out about them. You see what they look like. Find out their hobbies. Are they like what are they good at? Are they hot? Whatever. Yeah. And you're just like kind of on the low, going to slide on in them DMs and talk to them. And he gets like he sees it's all a cringy these, thing. Can we say that? It's yeah, a it's a really cringy thing, yeah. concept. So, me and Payne have kind of different views on it. Um, Kate Town thinks it's chill. He thinks I, it's fine. I don't think it's fine. I, no, no. That's a totally valid way of finding a, a girlfriend. No, right? no. It, it, it's shady, but the way he goes about it, basically, he looks through these applicants. He picks 30 for his friend to interview. He finds this one girl's essay. He really connects with what she says. And she's he, like one amongst all these like really hot, big, yeah, cool she, girls. She's kind of normal looking. I mean, she's pretty, but she's not like, like some of the girls are like porn stars and stuff like mm-hmm. this. And he just really connects with her, like just like on a like an emotional level. He's like through her really essay. intrigued. He's really intrigued by her. So one thing leads to another, and uh, kind of skipping over a little bit. Eventually, um, he's at his apartment, and oh, did we get- mention spoiler alert for all of? These oh yeah, movies? real quick. All of these movies are for one, they're really old, but we're spoiling all of these movies. That we're you should still go watch them, even with the spoil, because they're they're Japanese movies. It's going to be kind of hard to follow the plots anyway, and it's good to have kind of like. Someone's spoiling it like for you a little bit almost. to kind of yeah. like get you into like really understanding what the movie's all about. Yeah. So real quick, if if you um if you haven't seen his movies or if maybe you've only seen a few, you know, depending on how interested you are in this guy, you might want to go back watch a movie or two and then come back. Or you know, if you just want to hear a bunch of fucked up shit, which is mostly <laughs> what we're going to cover on this podcast, uh, which is about to start pretty, pretty much, much right now. Yeah. Uh, you can also just do it that way. So pretty much, uh, the movie ends with him in his apartment. He's drinking some drink that has been drugged. She rolls up. She's got this whole fucking like leather. It almost looks like some uh, like kind of like hostel. Hostile. Yeah. Hostile. Hostile. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This they took very, a big cue from it. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. Eli Roth. Much influence. And we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. We got some stuff to say about Eli Roth later on. But <laughs> but um. So she. Uh, uh, she she puts these she he's paralyzed and she starts getting on top of him and putting these needles in his chest and the whole reason is because that, that kind of shocks his system so much that he can't go into shock when she inflicts worse pain on yeah. him later because she wants mm-hmm. she wants him to feel everything she's about to do to him exactly and this is all because she's jealous because she found out that he had an ex wife 
She's like, no, I can be the only one. He finds out that he has a son. Yeah. She's jealous of the son. Her, her whole thing is he wants. She wants him to be in love with just her. All exactly. of his love, everything he can focus on. Everything, her. just and her. She, and he can't do that if he loves his son in her eyes. Exactly. And keep in mind, she's been very abused throughout her entire life. This is a, a product of, of of a world of, of men that have been really shitty to her. So it kind of plays out like a revenge type of thing. Although, in her mind, I think it's even more than that. The music director or whatever that she was working for, like she was dating him and he cheated on her with yeah. her friend. And that's kind of like just like the cherry on the top of the cake for everything that's gone wrong in her life. So moving, the, yeah. so moving forward with that with that torture scene, she puts these needles in him in his chest, and then she fucking like has all the needles in him, and she just like crawls up on the needles, and Ugh. they all angle into his body, just like oh, and she puts three needles in his eyes, and she fucking flicks them like ding ding, and he's just like oh, yeah. like, and then she proceeds. Because she loves his fucking needles, man. He really oh yeah, it's it's literally. Me. I have a, a severe needle phobia. It's like literally my fucking hell. Yeah, if you don't like movies, if you don't dude. like needles, this movie will fuck you up. And yeah. imprint later, which we'll talk about. But she uh, she gets out a piano wire and goes to his foot and just starts eat or eat or eat or sawing yeah. his fucking foot off, like playfully, like that fucking like everything that she was doing. It seemed like she's just having like an innocent child's play, like. Even like she's playing with Play-Doh as like a like yeah, a six year old. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And even the way she like sawed his leg, like sawed through the bone of his leg, and she was like smiling and la- and just playfully like just sawing the shit. And Takashi's really brutal. good about putting just like really sick details into everything. Like mm-hmm. all the sounds are really just yeah. like yeah. Really you can tell when they get to the bone and it's, yeah. it sounds a little more. Solid when she pulls like, when oh. she pulls the piano wire back up after she cuts the leg the off, it's like it's like coiled up, like it's actually been cutting through something. Like it's yeah. just these little mm-hmm. details that make it so like real, visceral, too. like very yeah. like, that yeah. make it really at home. Like that's what you would actually see. Yeah. But then this is fucked up. Then the son, who has not met this woman, who just knows about this woman, blah, blah, blah. He, he was supposed to be staying at his like, friend's house, and he comes home early. Yeah, he comes home early, and then he just sees his dad lying down with his fucking foot cut off. Like she's, she, she heard the door, and she walked away. She's in the process of cutting off the second leg. Yeah, she's cutting off his second leg. Then he, she hears the, uh, a door open, and then she kind of like flees away for a second. The grabs boy the comes mace. in. She grabs the mace to fuck up the kid. The kid comes in, sees his dad, and he's just like, call 911, fuck. And he, imagine just coming in there and seeing your dad with his fucking foot cut off all these needles in him ah! yeah. <laughs> so she comes up to she maces him right she yeah. does mace him she starts mace like she chases him up the stairs she maces him a couple times and then he like kicks her yeah. and she goes flying down the staircase and like dies it's, yeah presumably has died yeah. and that's pretty much how the movie ends and you're just kind of like fuck like so that's and this is a very famous movie like his, all of his other movies were just kind of like these kind of pulpy goofy movies but this movie gained like a huge international following because not yeah. only was it a horror movie it's a, kind of like an art house movie and it also has a lot of commentary on like uh, women like some people see it as like about women's objectification in Japan I'm really glad I watched this movie after watching all of his goofy movies because the goofy movies are yeah. cool like they're they're funny they're, like if you watch them and really understand what they're they're pretty deep and everything but like this movie was like like a whole nother level like this was an actually like a good film a good I, movie. this was a good film like he was saying a lot how his movies aren't about monsters his movies don't generally have like any kind of like uh, unreal fictional character it's There's all no about demon or like ghost or something in it it's about the demons inside the exactly. characters and that's where mm. this movie really starts off so uh, this movie was really influential like here internationally this movie had a big influence on the influx of like torture porn films throughout the 2000s like Eli Roth was super inspired by this um, James Wan the director of Saw so movies like Saw Hostel High Tension Wolf Creek all those movies that came 
came out in kind of like the early to mid 2000s that had like super um, hyper violent gore, even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remakes, they were all in a huge way considered to be influenced by this movie because nothing like this had really come out yet. Yeah, I mean the the whole like scene in Saw where he's like cutting through his foot, like that's like it's oh, yeah. so you can totally that, see right. like yeah. how that's completely the scene from all direct parallel. You're right, mm-hmm. along with the like the the fucking the butcher, rubber suit yeah, she's the wearing, butcher suit. That's what yeah, all that's, the mm-hmm. the torturers and hostile are wearing. Like yeah. the same exact outfits and everything. Yeah, and and uh, still to this day, like Quentin Tarantino says, this is one of his favorite movies of all time, and he'll pop up again later in our story. Um, but Eli Roth, actually, he was super influ- influenced by this movie. Like he um, he even had Takashi Miike has a uh, has a cameo. He had a cameo appearance in Hostel where he some guy was just like, "Oh, what's that? What's that place?" And he was like. It's dangerous there. You don't want to go in there, boy. Yeah, you don't want to go in there. And he's like, why? And he's like, you'll spend a lot of money. <laughs> you know, really <laughs> ominous. Um, but yeah, but this movie had a huge international following, and he didn't even really intend to that. He never wanted to make a movie that was going to be huge everywhere, but out of nowhere, he's huge. Um, so moving forward. Uh, oh, by the way, one more thing. There's a, apparently an English-language version of Audition in production right now. So it might seem like we're kind of talking about like this kind of like nice quality movie, but now we're going to start getting into the shit. Yeah, Some of the better is- shit, yeah. <laughs> so the same, yeah. Let's get into the real shit So now. the same year, this is what's crazy, the same fucking year that he put out Audition, he also put out a movie called Dead or Alive, where the first eight minutes of this movie... Like Mark, you were saying you you couldn't even you were like this is the I thought beginning. It was a trailer, bro. I it thought just it was a, a trailer with a bomb ass just like score. Fi- like fifty super like cuts of just like crazy, just off the wall shit. So w- what is there? There's a dude taking a fifteen uh, a fifteen foot long rail of coke. Like, and he like we're not we're shit. not exaggerating. It's like literally like fifteen feet long. This dude just does this fifteen long line of coke, and at the end of it, he pushes over a bookshelf. Yeah, you see a woman <laughs> get thrown off a building. You see a dude getting anally raped in a fucking bathroom, and then the guy who's raping gets his fucking neck. Cut. Bro, all the, yeah, all the while there's this fucking like I don't know like white zombie like gnarly riff playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. like, like, it's, it's sick. It's, it's sick. really fucking. Right away, you see a woman get thrown off a fucking building. A dude takes a, a fifteen long, a fifteen foot long rail of coke. Some dude's getting anally raped in a bathroom. There's uh, another dude there's, literally eating like fifteen bowls of ramen. Oh yeah, yeah for some yeah. reason, this guy's eating ramen the whole time. Uh, there's a strip club or a stripper's like fucking. Uh, Stripping down and dudes like I guess I guess fondling her with yeah. like a baton. Like, it's in the background the whole time. They just keep going back. Like you're seeing a dude getting angry raped and you're just like fuck. And then just like oh yeah, <laughs> fucking stripper, hot stripper. And then at some point, some dude just roll up with guns and just shoot up this whole fucking club with this guy eating ramen. And they shoot his stomach. And then his stomach explodes with ramen. <laughs> yeah, they, they like shoot him from the back, and then like the front of his like they shoot him in the back as he's running away, and the front of his stomach explodes out, and there's just literally like all the ramen like undigested just explodes out and goes all over the restaurant. Yeah. And then w- then when the cleanup crew arrives after a guy a guy rolls up with chopsticks and picks up some of the ramen, he's like, "Yep, he was eating ramen." <laughs> People like, are pulling guns out of everywhere. All yeah, they're, yeah, they're just like scene. in a deli and they pull it out of like guns a block from of cheese, under cheese. There's Guns like from like people walk a clown walking in the street like yeah there's just a clown walking out by the street with a big ass shotgun this guy just grabs a shotgun and jumps on top of this guy's car who this guy's getting head from a prostitute so he ro- like this guy's in his car and this guy goes on top of the car shoots him in the head with a fucking shotgun while he's getting head from a shot from a fucking prostitute this is all just a convoluted mess I don't even know how to describe it. and the movie fucking ends. With literally, like, these two dudes are just oh. fighting in Mortal Kombat. The showdown, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. It's just these two two guys fighting. One of the guy fucking, he pulls out a, a bazooka, 
And then the other guy pulls which out, was, like, which is wild already, out of his like, back. Yeah, he was already yeah. blown up his in a car, ripped, ripped his, his arm, arm off, off. He rips his arm off, <laughs> and with his other remaining arm, pulls a bazooka so clean, a like, bazooka that's back. completely bigger than him. Like he's just on some back Fortnite of his jacket. Shit. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the other dude rips out his heart, and it's like a fireball. <laughs> And he throws it at the other guy. The other guy shoots the fireball with a rocket launcher. And then it goes to this, like, really cheesy shot of, like, the globe. And then Japan, all of Japan just blows up. And it looks like it's about to be the rest of the world. Yeah. So there's this one little fight between these two guys. The whole world explodes. And this movie had two sequels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's just part one. Yeah. Yeah. I think back from that, we will never know because we're not watching those other movies. And this was just like a Yakuza, like, crime movie. This wasn't, like, some, like, superhero shit. This was just a Yakuza crime movie that there's a fucking fireball getting ripped out of a heart. That's that's the thing, though, and we're not going to talk as much about all of his Yakuza movies, but that's what mostly he was making. It just happened that Dead or Alive was, like, kind of the bigger one. This one did get a theatrical release the same year's audition. So, 1999... Was a big year for uh, Takashi Miike. Big year for your boy. Mm -hmm. So, we go from, like, 99 with uh, fucking uh, Audition and Dead or Alive... And, and then we're going to move forward. <laughs> 2001. Mm, so big, he's also big year for your boy Takashi. In 2001, yeah, we're going to cover three movies, uh, including each of the killer right here. But the first movie to come out in 2001 in March was fucking Visitor Q. I hated this fucking movie. <laughs> like, straight up. I didn't. So I had a kind of a weird viewing of it. Mark and Payne, like, watched it with subtitles and they could follow the story. I saw it without <laughs> subtitles. You really don't need subtitles yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to watch it. this movie. It's basically a really shitty porn. I saw it without subtitles as well, but I did have Payne here who had seen it with subtitles to yeah. explain most things to me. But there was only really two maybe like two or three yeah. scenes where I really, really uh, needed those subtitles. I was like, what could they possibly be saying here? <laughs> yeah. But you could say that for the whole movie. So yeah, let's look, real quick. So yeah, it starts off with a with a, a dad fucking his prostitute daughter, and this is what's already weird. Again, this is some Takashi Miike shit, where it's like, how can I take this to one little extra weird level? He comes too early, and then she tries to charge him extra, and she complains. It's like you're already getting fucked by your dad for money, and it's then you a, want it to be good. It's <laughs> a really weird scene. Like you think a scene like you this, always want sex to be good. Like I could see even with your own dad. <laughs> if you're doing pop, it, yeah. if you're having sex with your dad, oh god, you know you want Papa. it to be good. I guess. But um, then right after that happens, the father is just chilling on a subway or some shit, um, or he's like chilling like a station somewhere, and then the the lion just says, "Have you ever been hit on the head by a stranger?" And then this guy uh, just hits him on the back of the head with a fucking rock. And throughout the rest of the movie, he's got his bandage on. Then we cut back to the house where um, the the guys... Uh, uh, the mother of the family. The mm-hmm. mother, the, the matriarch of the family, yeah. is getting beat by her own damn son. Yeah, he's... We cross over to new metal because beatings are happening. Yeah. In this he's home. like beating the shit out of her. Too. Yeah, like, yeah, he's, he's chasing her. Like, and he's like, know. he's like fourteen. Yeah, just oh, yeah beating so up his mom. What she's also mostly saying in that scene where she's like, uh, when getting beat for the first time, you see, is not the face. Yeah, not the face, not the face. Apparently, she's just repeating over and over again. Oh, she's a prostitute. Yeah, like, she. We <laughs> later find out that she's. I'm going to break this down really quick, and we're going to. This is going to fuck it all up. But what would you even say the plot of this movie is? Oh God. Okay, so. 
what I think the plot is. Well, I actually, challenge you to give me a plot. Let's let's movie. go back because I have a thing on that. I'll tell you. But let's <laughs> let's rattle off some other shit. So okay. he's beating the mom. The mom starts doing some fucking heroin. Yeah. There's a bunch of bullies that are shooting firecrackers into their fucking houses, destroying their house. They're like yeah. literally shooting like bottle rockets through the fucking window. It's they're, like a, it's like an attack. And they're like teenage bullies. They're like it's the son's relentless. age. Relentless. Yeah. yeah. And, and no one cares. Like the mother's just like whatever. I'm shooting up heroin. Like the yeah. dad's in the kitchen eating like rice or some shit. Yeah. With noodles. Our, with and there's our just visitor. Yeah, with the dude that hit him in the head with the rock. Yeah, this this ominous visitor Q guy. By the way, the guy that hit the dad on the head with the rock, he's now just hanging out with the family. They don't explain that. He's just like, oh, he's here just, I am. He, he just, just comes home for dinner. Yeah, and he's, he's just, just eating there. food, asking the mom for seconds, and she's just like, okay, meanwhile getting beat by her son. He's like, oh, I'll have another round of noodles. And she's like, okay. And then the, the son just rolls up as she's going to go get the noodles, just beating her, beating the shit out of her. And the dad is just watching his wife being beat with this visitor Q guy, just chilling while he's getting... Uh, while his own wife's getting the shit out of her, but then like uh, as the night goes on, he um he's he's in bed and the wife comes up and she's like, I want to have sex, and mm. then he's just kind of like whatever, and then she smells his dick. Yeah, would you and think about like, that, Kitan? That yeah. was fucking. Like, I'm telling you, I hated this fucking movie. <laughs> she's just like about to like give him a head, and she's like sniffing his dick, and she's like. Man, this this smells like our daughter's pussy. Yeah, yeah. She can <laughs> and like she starts like tasting it, and she's like, "Were you with our daughter?" And he's just like, "Get off me!" And rolls over and goes to sleep. He's tired. Yeah, and he's just like, "I'm tired." And she's just like, "Oh fuck!" Like my life sucks. I at least want to get fucked by my 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 own husband, but he's fucking my daughter. So shit, I can't can't win anything. So we find out that she's a prostitute later on, and she kind of does some like she's like with some sadomasochist guy who's like beat me, and she's like barely beating this dude with the belt. She's just like, uh, and he's just like, no, oh, beat me like you mean it. And she's just, <laughs> okay, okay. God. So, um, so yeah, it's just a big thing. Like, the, 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 so basically, again, this is very hard to even talk about. This movie is such a weird plot, but is we, it? We kind of figure out that the dad is making um, like a documentary on bullies, and this is one scene where he's uh, he's out with a cameraman and he's mm. t- trying to talk to some young bullies, and they're like, oh, you want to talk to some bullies? So they start beating him up. They're like, you want to know about violence? And you then, want to know about bullies? Then uh, they steal his mic. They steal his mic. For some reason, his cameraman keeps recording, and they shove that mic right up his ass. And they show it like yeah. it's straight up. You see yeah. it yeah. in the same way. Okay, we haven't gotten to the milking yet, but there are certain oh scenes in this God. fucking movie that it's like whatever. This is a movie. There's there's a certain. Uh, uh, <laughs> I straight up hated this fucking. Movie. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about this yeah, shit. There's certain things that, like you know, you can uh, you can kind of separate. Like, okay, this is a movie. This is a film. This is not really happening. Certain things in this movie, like whatever, whatever, they're happening. Yeah, you're really seeing a guy's actual ass getting pounded by a microphone. Yeah, and then and soon afterwards, uh, we we cut back to to the house, and the the mom is chilling at home. She's walking around. And she sees this visitor Q guy, this guy mm-hmm. again, the, the guy that hit him with the rock, blah blah blah. And then he's just like, "What up, baby?" And like she let's rolls talk, up. Let's talk. Let's talk about our visitor real quick. What, what you? Well, we're gonna. Make I want to get. I want to okay, get on okay, that. We'll get into that. We'll get into that later. So he he just gets. She's just chilling on a bed, and then he gets behind her, and he's like, "Ooh, ooh, ooh!" And then starts like fucking massaging twisting her nipples, massaging her nipples, and then she just starts just gushing straight milk, and this shit. Is real. Yeah. It's not. This is like we're actually seeing it. You see the way it comes out. It's like, oh 
fuck, dude. Like, yeah. she's straight lactating. Yeah, she's truly lactating. The actual story. actress is lactating. By the way, this actress, I just want to mention real quick, we actually looked into her biography oh, yeah. a little bit. Dark she, history. This woman who's being at, who's being milked, this actress slash character who's the mom, actually the, the, being... The mom that got beat. The mom. The mom that's getting beat is a prostitute and a heroin addict that's getting milked right now. This actress, <laughs> um, she, she wrote... <laughs> it's a lot. No, this actress, a lot. This actress wrote a book um, called Fatherfucker in her real life, which is about her being uh, constantly raped by her stepdad and her, while her mom just kind of like accepted it. So this woman's got a fucked up life and she's just doing this fucked up movie. So she's she like, was precious. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> moving forward. So we see that the, the dad is recording. Um, he sees, he's actually seeing, he's driving around with a camera. This woman, uh, he's like, he's kind of a like co-worker or whatever. They catch his son being bullied by these kids. The bullies are t- making his son take a shit. They're like, do it, do it, do it. Oh, he's yeah, like, I, I can't. forgot about that, yeah. Um, there's a I lot of kicking. I don't know all this kicking and shit. Like, so, kicking him about. So he's like, okay, we need to record this. We need to record this. This is the father who's doing the report. And then his co-worker, this other reporter lady, she's like, no, you're crazy. Like, we, everyone saw the video because somehow everybody saw the video of him getting anally raped for some reason. It was like yeah, broadcast. It, it was actually broadcast on like TV. Like, so she's like, no, no, no. Like, y- y- this is crazy. You're crazy. I'm over this shit. And he's like, fuck you, bitch. And then starts like beating her up. And then Visitor Q rolls up and he's got a camera and he's recording while this guy is just beating up this woman. And eventually he starts like violently raping her. Um, and then she dies. Which uh, I don't, maybe we should have put a trigger warning at the top of this episode, but but by the yeah. way, we'll be talking about some fucked up shit. Yeah, this is all fucked. Like, again, I just wanted for the fifteenth time. I hated this fucking movie. Yeah, oh, you it's ain't not good. The audience is not even heard. So he he violently rapes her and he eventually kills her and he throws her in the trunk of his car, drives back to home, his house, yeah. and he takes her in the backyard. He's got like this like like greenhouse thing in his backyard. The plan is to cut her up and bury her. Yeah, but she's looking a little good to him, so he starts... He's like, alright, well, I guess I'll fuck the corpse. And he starts... (laughs) Alright, I guess... (laughs) He starts having sex with the corpse, and like... This is all so bad. Yeah, dude. Alright, let's let let, let it roll. Let's let it roll. I don't even want to talk about it, but he's, he's fucking the corpse, and... He starts like saying like, "Oh God, she's getting wet," and like he's like getting excited. It's like, "Oh, what the wonders of the universe, the wonders yeah. of nature that a corpse can still get wet." Yeah, Ooh, great. yeah. And then he looks down and like wipes his hand underneath of her, and she's like just shit herself. And he's like, "This is shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the best. He's like, "Oh, this is shit. Oh, you stink. Oh," and he's like p- putting. He's got a bunch of shit in his hand. He puts it on her back, but he's still fucking her. He doesn't even stop. And meanwhile, while all this is going on, it cuts to the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And visually, oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the mom is in the kitchen. She puts on a black trash bag and <laughs> cuts holes out so that her breasts poke out through the trash bag. Mm-hmm. She's like, check this out. And, she's and then like, Visitor Q is sitting on the floor with a, like, a clear umbrella over his head. <laughs> and she's squirting milk out of her nipples onto the umbrella. Again, this is real. This is actually <laughs> She's happening. just milking herself onto the umbrella, giggling the whole time. And then she starts pissing herself. <laughs> and Visitor Q's just sitting there, <laughs> looking up like, like a kid looking up to like Great a job. teacher or something just like huh. doing good doing and good. there's just milk splattering <laughs> on this fucking umbrella oh, and the floor is covered in milk yeah yeah and everywhere. she's pissing herself yeah, there's about a like you know inch layer of just milk on the floor now like it just is. like breast milk so then cut back to the to, to the husband fucking this dead shit corpse and then he realizes he's like he's like done and he tries to get out but his dick is stuck in the corpse and he's like oh no my dick oh, yeah. and then the wife 
who has been milking herself, all of a sudden gets tired. She hears something, she comes out, and she sees her husband with his dick stuck in this dead, shitty corpse lady's vagina. And then she's like, <laughs> and she's like, oh, let me help you. And it cuts to them um, in a bathtub. And she's like doing all this stuff. She's putting all these like different materials in the water to like soften them up or whatever. She's trying to get that dick out of there. She's trying to like, no, not my husband. Get that dick out of there. We can get out of here. We can fix this. And they're like, they're doing this whole thing. And then eventually she's like, wait, I got the idea. I got an idea. She grabs her heroin, shoots him up full of heroin. He gets out, and then they're like happy. They're yeah, like bonding. This is over a this. truly bonding, like family bonding. It, it moment fixed for them. all the uh, family problems that they were having. So they 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 grab the girl's corpse, they take her out, and she's all stuck. And they put her on a table, and I don't even. Then the, the then it cuts to the daughter. The, the is daughter awful. is just out in the streets. Like, it just cuts randomly to her, and she's walking around, and she runs into visitor Q again, who's also for some reason just out in the streets now. And then he hits her on the head with a rock. He hits her with the rock. She yeah. hits her with the rock. They were roommates. And <laughs> and then it, it cuts back to the family's house and where the, the daughter's rolling up after having, you know, a long day of hoeing and getting hit by rocks. <laughs> she rolls on up and then she goes to the, the greenhouse and the 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 husband and uh and mother are just or he's like sucking her titties uh. and then the daughter gets down and joins on the other titty and that's how the movie ends. She well, she sees dad sucking the tits, and he she's like, oh. she makes a face like like cool man, like, like as if she knew that finally. like they probably had like a, a cha- like a challenging marriage, and she's like, oh, finally. it's like everything's finally fine, and she joins. Oh, and also before Let me that, get that left hit, we forgot to mention that also. Uh, I kind of s- skipped this, but the the the. The mother and the father were like cutting up this woman's body, and they're like bonding over the whole thing. The bull- the sons bullies roll up to the house, and they like kill all of them. They're chopping them up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They kill so the parents kill these fucking bullies. Yeah. So they save the son. They kill the son's bullies. They get they release the father's dick. The the <laughs> the young girl comes back, and then that's the, br- the movie. No. So what's it? no no no. So what is this movie about? Okay. So, my whole thing is I think Visitor Q isn't real. I think Visitor Q represents the dad's subconscious. He represents all of these repressed things he wants to do, and that gets unlocked after he fucks his daughter. So, imagine this guy knows his daughter is a prostitute, and he's repressing this idea like, oh, my daughter's pretty fine. This is, this is hard to talk about. This is all hard to talk yeah. about. And so, anyway, he fucks the daughter, and that's when Visitor Q rolls up, meaning that when he fucks his daughter, he's done this really repressed, fucked up thing. That's what releases... Like, the levees have broken, and he's free to do all these weird shit. All right, so in that same year, uh, we've got another big heavy hitter. So in the same year, in September 2001, Takashi Miike releases Ichi the Killer. All right, so uh, pretty much how this movie started was one day, Takashi Miike was hanging out with his producer, Dai Miyazaki, and he saw a magna on the producer's desk, and that magna was called Ichi the Killer. So he, he started reading it, he became intrigued, and soon after, they actually uh, contacted the writer, uh, Hideo Yamamoto, um, and they started collaborating to, to form a script. Uh, but it's also important to mention, the guy who uh, wrote the... Uh, manga. The Magna. <laughs> um, <laughs> he brought his... Trouble. He asked to bring his psychiatrist on. So this is so this is Dai Miyazaki, Takashi Miike, Hideo Yamamoto, and y- Hideo's uh, psychiatrist. psychiatrist, who's just hanging out. Because the guy's probably like, yeah, this guy has to come with me everywhere I go, because I'm fucking crazy. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm a little bit fucked in the head. <laughs> yeah, this movie is fucked. Like, real quick... Um, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go through the plot of this movie. This so, so it should be. It should be noted, like for most people, the w- simple plot of this movie. This is the movie, right? So, uh, yeah. Then you kind of know, you know the plot a little bit better than yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. This is this was up until today my favorite uh, Takashi movie. 
But Ichi the Killer, basically, it starts off, um, this Yakuza boss, uh, Anjo? Anjo. Anjo. Anjo, the Yakuza boss, gets murdered and disappears, and no one really knows he's murdered, they just know that he left, and they think he's like, stole the bun- a bunch of money from the Yakuza. And by the way, when they find him murdered, it's just a bunch of organs laying around a Well, room. that's that's the cleanup crew. When the, yeah. when the actual Yakuza, the, the main central characters, find find his room, it's been completely clean. So th- they don't know if he's dead or not. They're just trying to find out what happened to he's him. He's just missing. But he was he torn. Could be kidnapped or... Right. But he was torn the fuck apart. So, they don't know yes. that. They so basically, know. the Yakuza boss um, gets murdered. They're trying to figure out what happened. Um, turns out he was murdered by this guy called Ichi. Ichi's this like really nerdy, like incel-type kid who... Um, he, the only way he can get off is by watching someone get raped. Which what you mentioned that the, the, the first time we we meet our character Ichi, um, he's watching a woman get raped, and then uh, he jizzes all over the place, and that's when you see the credits. Like, like yeah, he's like out on the balcony, and like he makes a noise, and like the guy who's raping the girl comes running out, and he's like, "Who the fuck's there?" And then it goes to the shot of just like a bunch of cum on the ground, and it's just sitting there for like. 10 seconds, and you're just like looking at this pile of cum, and you're just like, ugh. And then all of a sudden, the fucking titles <laughs> yeah. come out of the fucking cum. But anyway, so like, the the movie centralizes, like, uh, you've probably seen pictures of Ichi the Killer, like the movie posters. It's the guy with the scars on his face. Mm-hmm. But that's not actually That's Ichi. not Ichi the Killer. That's Kakihara. Who is our boy. Kaki, let's get a, let's get a, yeah, let's one of them things for Kakihara. Kakihara, he kind of reminds me of, um, like, uh, Christopher Nolan's Joker. Mm-hmm. Like this was that. this was before you know Dark Knight and all that. But it's important to boy. mention Kakihara is a sadomasochist. He enjoys, yeah. which means he enjoys inflicting and receiving pain. And in fact, in the Magna, um, uh, Kakihara is a power we can absorb any pain. They they don't really do that in the movie. The manga yeah, is pretty more supernatural. It. The the movie's kind of more just like over the top, like goofy violence. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but real people. But like the it. the main drive for him to find uh, Boss Anjo, the whole reason, the guy who got murdered in the beginning, uh, is because Boss Anjo is the only one that can beat him. Right? Yeah, yeah he's, exactly. he's the only person that he's down. the only person that really inflicts pain on him. Truly. So mm-hmm. like, Kakihara is like this kind of yakuza like uh, enforcer type of guy, but he's also just this fucked dude with yeah. all these weird. Weird sexual desires, yeah, and that's why he loves the the boss so much. He's not, not because he's a great boss, because he fucking beat him. Right? It's it's not that he's like has like he's not like gay or anything. He's not like he doesn't have homosexual feelings towards the boss. It's just that the boss is literally the only person that can inflict pain on him properly. Mm-hmm. Mm. He just has like this strange love. It's not it's 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 hard to explain because he even says in the movie he's not he's not like in love with him like in like a like a um. A sexual boyfriend thing. sexual yeah, yeah. kind of way it's mm. it's so, the only person that can bring meaning to his life so basically uh, Kakihara really wants to find out what happened to uh, this boss um, and he's, he's looking all over the place and he find, and this one guy gives him a hint he gives him a fake hint and he's like oh I heard uh, this guy uh, knows what happened so Kakihara tracks down that guy and then this is our boy Gigi who's dropping the fake hints right? yeah, yeah Gigi, Gigi drops he, Gigi's like yeah yeah it was uh, that guy that guy knows so <laughs> so Ichi, before he even fucking gets started, get started with asking him questions, he's got him fucking suspended on a bunch of hooks mm. that are stuck in his back. Now, a big thing about this other guy is they're both still in the same Yakuza clan. So he's essentially um, like kidnapped another member of his gang um, without talking to like the higher ups yeah, and he started didn't, torturing he him. He didn't get permission. He so, didn't, he yeah. didn't, like, yeah, he didn't get the green light on this. He just took some dudes 
uh, word for it and just went after this other Yakuza. And boss. before you even start asking questions, put the hooks on him. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. It, it, it cuts to the scene like the guy wakes up and he's literally suspended from the air with like these giant ass meat hooks going all the way down his back to his ankles, just suspending him like five feet in the air. Holding his skin. Like, he can't move, he can't cough or anything, because he's literally just, his back is like stretched like four inches off of his body from these hooks. And it's only at this point that Kakihara starts asking questions, but then he's got, again, a, a big-ass needle, and he starts jamming it in the guy's, like, mouth, like, right at his fucking... He, like, breaks his jaw with it. Yeah, and his You're jawline. going to Kashi Miike loves these fucking needles. Yeah. And the, needle and the, work is and the sound when he's got the needle, it just... Like, Again, it's those, his jaw it's those subtle things, those little details that he puts in there that just really get you. Like that make it real. The sound, the look, like the guy's face when it's going in. Like you can see his cheek, like getting indented and mm. piercing with it. You kind of see his cheek kind of like pop back Oof. when it finally breaks through the skin and everything it's just it's fucking like Mark said visceral but yeah. again he, so he's torturing his guys putting needles all up in his face and shit and the guy's like look I, I don't know shit which of course everybody says that at an interrogation although right. if I was this guy I would just be like well, I bro. not saying anything yeah. it's, it's a good thing stop. to mention too this movie's kind of got like a, a, a Pulp Fiction kind of aesthetic mm-hmm. it's it's not really like what we're describing kind of sounds like a horror movie but this is kind of like got that just like that cool like it's almost cartoonish. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, cartoonish. Yeah, it's just of... got that really cool vibe that like Pulp Fiction has. It's you're not really you're seeing this shit and you're like, oh, that's fucked up, but you're not like getting sense of like this is scary or anything. It's just like that's fucked up, dude. So again, this guy's not talking. So Itchy, which we haven't mentioned, Itchy the whole time is making some uh, Kakihara. Kakihara. Oh, sorry, uh, Kakihara is making some um, tempura. So he's got this big. Uh, he's uh, frying up some shrimp. He's got like a big <laughs> thing of grease, and the guy's still not talking. It's like, look, dude, I I literally don't know shit. And Kakihara at this point, I think he's just he's just stoked. He's just stoked to be torturing yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah. So he grabs yeah, all the gr- really feeling it. So he oh, grabs the thing of grease and big pot of grease and just pours it over the guy's back and the back of his head, like his back with all the fucking. Uh, uh, yakuza tats, yeah, yeah, and the just yakuza burning, tattoo. Like literally, you're just watching like the skin bubble and like the tattoos are like burning off. Yeah, Ugh, but no, then on his face yeah. too, like yeah. pouring it all over his face. It's that running down his head, down his eye, and like the whole side of his face. But Ugh. then, but then, basically, then some other yakuza dudes roll up who who like know this guy. They're like, oh, that's <laughs> the guy being tortured. They're like, oh, that's my boy. They roll up and they're just like, they're literally, they literally like, like, like Kakiara, what the fuck? Yeah, dude? literally, they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's like, what's going on here? And then Kakiara's like, oh, that guy told me this. But then he's pointing towards Gigi, but he realizes that Gigi had left. So the guy that had tipped off Kakihara is just like, whoop, he's just out of there. And then they're all pissed off. They're all like, all right, dude, you got to answer this. So that's that's our dude. You didn't get you. You've got the wrong guy. What the fuck is your problem, Kakihara? Um, we're gonna have to take off. Uh, this is the Yakuza thing. They're like, okay, to repay this for forgiveness, you need to cut off uh, part of your finger. Well. A big thing in Yakuza, when you when you upset somebody in the Yakuza, um, you, to show a sign of forgiveness, you, you usually cut off like a finger, a tip of your finger or something. Your pinky finger Most of the time, it's like a that. pinky finger or something like that. It's a sign of showing your guilt and you're asking for forgiveness, so yeah. you're offering a part of yourself. You cross the boss now. You got um, and they're like piece. they're like um, you know you can't just cut off a finger for this. You like, really, this is worse. You thing. really got to do something. So Kakihara just he's like I. He's like, I really like sweets. I have a big sweet tooth, so I'm going to take away the source of my pleasure. And he just sits down. Meanwhile, he's in a purple suit with like a green... Oh, he's swag. This whole time, this dude's swag. A green blouse. He literally looks like the Joker. I really think like they got a lot of... Christopher Nolan got a lot of that look for the Joker. What's that smile called? A glass glow smile? He's got a glass glow smile. Yeah. That, that's connected because he's got these two piercings. Yeah, he's he's got got the whole thing open, but he's got these two piercings that are holding his mouth. He pulls his tongue out and just 
cuts off like probably the like a quarter of it, just clean off. He's like looking these guys in the face, just running a knife through his tongue, just like fucking. And it's it's such a slow scene. Takashi makes it such a slow. Yeah. You, you see the whole thing. Like he's cutting through it, and the knife kind of gets stuck, and he has to like saw it a yeah, little bit, it and like, it's yeah. just like. And it's this so is, real looking. This is something that Takashi Mika does a lot, and we've talked about like Takashi Mika's like motto is "Look at this shit, yeah. <laughs> look at it, look okay. at it." You're just seeing his whole tongue get cut off, and you're just like, "Fuck, fuck, 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 dude!" And it drags on for so long; it's not a quick scene. It's and what if this dude just cut his tongue off, and we showed like an <laughs> unbreaking scene? Yes, yeah, so so Kakihara he does this, and like all the dudes are just like fuck, dude. One guy's like throwing up, and someone calls Kakihara, and they're like yo, Kakihara, where you at? And he's like, oh, what's up, bro? Yeah, There's I'll just be right blood there. pouring out of his mouth. He's like, yeah, yeah I'm on my way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, oh. like nothing happened, you know. <laughs> well, um, you kind of find it, it goes back and starts giving it a little bit of a background to Ichi. Ichi apparently, when he was a kid, he saw one of his classmates. He was getting bullied, yeah. and this girl stepped in to help him, and the bullies ended up raping the girl. What a bully! a common trope, yeah. and he got too. he got sexually aroused while they were raping her, and that fucked him up. He was so, like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a piece so of shit." So from now, from that point forward, like the only way he can get off is by seeing someone else getting raped. So every all the characters, all the main characters in this movie are just sexually fucked. Yeah, they're just yeah, they're yeah. they're completely deranged. Sexually. So in the beginning, Ichi's um. Before, not, not the shame of the BDSM community, you know what I mean? But, no, you know. but there's there's some fucked right, up these trauma. Shits are, these, in these shits lives. are fucked. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah this is the worst. In side the beginning, the woman he was watching get raped is actually uh, she works at like this brothel. So he goes into the brothel and re- specifically requests her, and she comes in, and she's completely like bloodied up. She's got bruises she's all over her face. And like she looks, like, yeah, she looks like she's been in like a horrible car accident and like right, nobody nobody wants to day. have nobody wants to have sex and with her. And he's like, "No, I I, I saw like, the guy that raped that. you. I saw that. What did it feel like to be beat?" She's like, "What the fuck?" And then it cuts later on to like her her she's back in like her room or well, whatever. Well, she she asks him. She's like, "I want the guy to die." And he's like, "Do you want me to kill her for yeah. it?" Yeah. And that'll come in in, in 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 a second. So it cuts back to her hanging out with her pimp again and he's like, "Oh, you're not you're not making any money." He's like, "Yeah, cuz she's like, "Yeah, cuz you beat the shit out of me." <laughs> Ugly, no one wants to sex with me. So he starts beating her up again, and, and then starts yeah. the raper. Starts the raper, and then uh, Itchy's outside. I think I think he he beats off, and then he comes. He inside. comes. He comes into the room, and the guy's like, "What the fuck?" He yeah, starts yeah. like the dude drags him in. He gets it's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so weird because like the guys the first scene, the opening scene with Ichi. But this time, Ichi's he, stepping in. He no, he doesn't step. In. He gets yeah, caught. Yeah, the dude steps out again, and he doesn't have time to dip out, and he grabs him. So would he have like came in? I don't know. But, but regardless, 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 he's fucking up Ichi, and Ichi's just like, oh, and yeah, then he builds he, up his courage, and he fucking he's got this blade that comes out of the bottom of his, his shoe. Yeah, he, he has these blades, like these shoes with blades equipped in the heels, and he taps his foot, and this big ass blade comes out. And he straight axe kicks this motherfucker in half, like vertically, vertically yeah. in half. It's so yeah, and the CGI and it's so goofy. Up. Yeah, it looks really bad. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it holds I mean, up. Yeah, it, I mean, it only holds up because it's so cartoony. It and does that's, not hold up. That's what the first scene when you look at it, and you're just like, oh, this this shit is goofy. You know? <laughs> yeah. So like, you kind of like start feeling like cool, like oh, this Ichi dude's like he's not bad. Like he's killing the bad guys. He just killed this <laughs> pimp, and like he's talking to the girl, and the, the girl's like, why'd you do that? And he was like, you asked me to kill him for you. And she's like, "Thank you so much." And he's like, "Well, yeah. now, now that I saved you, I can be the one that beats you." 
Mm-hmm. I'll beat you for the rest of your life. And, and she, she starts. She gets all loopy. She loses like, oh, it. Shit. And then you kind of realize, well, Ichi's really not this hero. Yeah. Because like for a second there, you're like, oh, he's kind of like Batman. He's in like this weird like black suit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a Batman. He looks kind of like a superhero in a way. He, yeah. Actually. He looks yeah. like he's a like a, a goofy superhero, and he just saved this girl from this abusive rapist. And then all of a sudden he's like, "Nah, bitch, I'm gonna beat you now." Okay, so from here, do we want to get into the rest of the plot? Because this is a lot, or should we just kind of hit some of the bangers, yeah, some of the gnarly yeah. parts? So, okay, some what's what's rattle off a couple things you see. At one point, you see um, a woman getting tortured by these guys, and they just out of nowhere cut her fucking nipples off. Yeah, like she's oh, yeah. like she's like sitting on this glass table, and like they like pinched her like nipples, like with these clamps, and like kind of pull them out, like have them stretched out. And they get this box cutter and extend the blade all the way out and just run it across this glass. Table. That happens so quickly. So you're just you're hearing this like horrible screeching yeah. from, again with the sound and everything. Mm-hmm. He just makes yeah. everything build on top of each other. Mm-hmm. I think the the glass screeching across of it was the worst part for me. Even though you're seeing somebody's nipple get cut off, mm-hmm. and it's just this quick straight, just like no <laughs> stop, just like. Whoosh, yeah, cutting and, both her nipples off. And I also just wanted to mention, like, they're torturing this lady because she has valuable information. Like, they want to find out who her. Uh, her she's like, dating one of the cleaners that Ichi's working with. So after they've cut her nipple off, this one guy, they're like, "Okay, we got to find, we got to find her man. Where is her man? She's not, she's not answering any questions." So then this one guy puts on this fucking these dog ears, <laughs> and he's like, and sniffs her fucking vagina, and he's like, "Oh, I know where he is," and then just goes off. They, they literally go and find him based on the smell from her vagina. Yeah, this like, dude's like he's like man. halfway across town. This dude just sniffed this guy out from this. Yeah, so. So one thing leads to another, and is there any other big bangers before the end? We can kind of oh, explain the oh, end of the movie. Oh, that, that scene. So they find this guy, and they're chasing him, and um, he, like, jumps out of the building. He's, like, getting away from the rest of the crew, and, like, he thinks he's done, and then he runs into Kakihara. Kakihara is just oh, watering yeah, yeah. a plant. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kakihara is like, hey, we've been looking for you. And he, like, punches Kakihara in the face. And, like, Kakihara's not really fighting back, and the dude just keeps punching him and punching him. And then Kakihara steps back, and he pulls his rings out from his... He's got these two slits in his cheek. It's called a glass glow smile. It's kind of like what the Joker has, again. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah. Again, it's Joker all over again. But they're a lot deeper and straight. And he pulls these rings out that are kind of holding these wounds together. So he's got the whole thing open now. And the dude punches him in the face, and it's, like, this really bad CGI, but it's pretty dope. And the dude, like, when he punches him in the mouth, like, his Kakihara's face expands, like, kind of like a snake. And his whole fist gets stuck in his mouth, and he's, like, trying to pull it out, and he's screaming. And he finally pulls his whole fist out, and it's a shot to his hand, and, like, all all the bones bones exposed. exposed. He's literally just, like, got all the skin chewed off of his fist. Yeah. It's a really dope scene. Um, There's some other scene where, uh, I forget what was going on, but basically this guy was... uh, about to fight Gigi, who Gigi's, we haven't mentioned it, but Gigi's kind of this old man. Yeah, He's also one of these guys who's kind of doing some dirty yeah. stuff to kind of come at the Yakuza. This is literally my favorite scene in the whole fucking movie. Yeah, the guy's like stepping up what to Gigi. Twist. The guy's stepping up to Gigi. He's like, man, you're just some old man. You a bitch. Yeah, the dude, the dude who's stepping up to him is like this big, tall, buff guy. Yeah. Like, he's like kind of like the like the muscle of like the Yakuza group. So yeah. Gigi like backs up a little bit and he takes, he's wearing like this big uh, jacket and he takes the jacket off. Well, first he gives him them hands and, and lays him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gigi's getting fucked up. Oh, no, no, wait, Gigi, no, 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 Gigi, yeah, fucking Gigi him up. starts fucking him up. And he's like, whoa, he's like, whoa, you're really strong. I thought you were just a weak old man. He steps back and he just takes off his jacket and he's just swole as fuck. Just, like, it's really bad CGI. Builder. They basically CGI'd this like frail old man's head on like this muscle dude. A bodybuilder. A bodybuilder. He's, he's not even doing like cool karate shit. Like when he takes all his stuff out, he's just flexing. Like, it's like literally like, it was like, like a 90 ugh. pound Japanese man before and then they just 
they go to that scene and it's like that 90 pound old man's head on like Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah. body like in back his in the defense, day he had a big coat so you know he could have been hiding <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. so one thing leads to another and we're on top of this roof and basically Kakihara and Ichi finally face off he's like I finally found you he knows that Ichi's the one that's been doing all this shit but he's also kind of turned on by Ichi because he knows that Ichi's this fucked up guy he knows like, Ichi has the power to kill him so like kill he kind of cut him in half and- so like he kind of wants to to kill Ichi, but he's also kind of like okay, I, I haven't been able to get my fix from a dude who beats he wants, me. Right? He wants to be challenged. So he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then they're they're fighting, and then at some point, like uh, Ichi just starts crying. He's he's like on the ground. The, one Kaki- of one of Kakihara's dudes comes up, and Ichi's been hypnotized this whole time. It's really convoluted, and you really should just watch the movie. But um, he's like hypnotized into thinking that this one dude in Kakihara's group is his brother. So when that dude comes up to help Kakihara, he's he like, kind of rolls up out of nowhere. Yeah, he's like, oh, my brother. And that dude shoots Ichi in the legs and kind of in- incapacitates him. And so he's like fucked up and he slits that dude's throat with his kick. <laughs> and then the dude's son comes up that got <laughs> his throat slit. And he's, <laughs> he's, cr- he's like, his throat is just gushing it's blood. Like- <laughs> he's crawling towards his son. Yeah. And his dad just like, daddy. And then the, the kid's like eight. Yeah, and the dad just bleeding. He's just like, oh, son, oh, fuck. And then you're just like, fuck, dude. This kid just getting, hor- like, just brutalized with some serious trauma. So um, at that point, because, like, Ichi is, he just saw this shit happen. Ichi is like, he sees, uh, or sorry, Kakihara just saw this shit happen. Kakihara's looking at Ichi crying. He's like, fuck, I can't get off. Yeah, he's like, kill me. And, like, Ichi's like, he can't use his legs. He's, like, like just crying on the floor. Like some and the murder dudes, me blue balls. Yeah, and the, dudes, yeah. and the dude's son's just, like, kicking the shit out of Ichi. Like just bashing him in, and he and Kakiara just listening to all this, and he's just like, "Fuck, dude!" And he grabs at these needles, and then he puts the needles through his ears yeah, so that he could he, uh, shatter his uh, eardrums. He pierces his eardrums, and the screen goes blue. Yeah, then all of a sudden everything changes. We get there's it. no sound. The screen's blue. There's just this kind of like white noise sound just playing in the background this whole time. And then and in we're basically in a dream sequence now yeah. because nothing was working out for Ichi. Ichi was not able to or uh, Kakihara was not able to get the fight he wanted. Was only get beat like he wanted. So he just kind of delves into this fantasy where all of a sudden Ichi does get up and Ichi and him are fighting. And then Ichi eventually kind of knocks Kakihara off of a building. Well, he stabs him a little bit. It kind of pe- he stabs him and he's able to block the hit. And the the blade kind of cuts his forehead open. Yeah, and Ichi's and like, like oh, his yeah. forehead. And, he, and yeah. Ichi just gushes, right, or uh, Kakihara just gushes right there. Yeah, Kakihara is <laughs> like, all right, cool, I'm about to die. And then Ichi kicks him, and Kakihara falls off the building and lands on the ground, splats. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to uh, Gigi, the old dude, the old muscle dude on the ground. He goes over and he sees Kakihara's corpse on the ground. There's no cut in his forehead. That's where, point. as the audience, that's when you would find out that you that realize was all, that was all Kaki, just a dream. Yeah, Kakihara just basically threw himself off the building and killed himself because yeah. he couldn't ever find that rush again. Because Kakihara was kind of in a weird spot. It's like where, yeah, like you said, it was like blue balls. He was like ready to, yeah. get, mm-hmm. to get beat, and then he doesn't like, get beat. Is it? And he's like, all right, you know what, fuck it. I guess I'll he's just do the ultimate. literally, like, when Ichi's like crying on the floor, he's literally like, come on, man, get up. Let's yeah. do this. Like, for like, yeah. a minute. Like, come on, bro. Seriously, let's do this. Like, get come up. Come on, bro. Let's, let's fight. Man, we're, we're enemies. Let's do so, that. We so after after Gigi kind of examines the body and sees that he's dead, Gigi realizes that Ichi's dead. So he's upset about that. He realizes he's upset because you know he's completed what he wanted to complete. He wanted to kill everyone and get back at the Yakuza for kicking him out. But he realizes like you know what what does he have now? Like he has nothing. That you got was no one his, to beat him. 
Well, no, Gigi, the old dude. Oh, yeah. he's, he, he realizes his missions, his life mission's done. What does he have now? And it cuts to a scene back to the kid kicking Ichi, like just kicking the shit out. And basically, it's inferring I that the kid killed Ichi. Kicked him to death. Kicked him yeah. to death. Yeah. I mean, the kid's kicking the shit out of him. Yeah. You get kicked enough in the head, you're dead. So basically, yeah, Gigi's got no more purpose to his life. And it cuts to a scene of Gigi hanging by a tree. Like, like he's, hanging he's off a tree. And then, and then you see the little kid grown up. The last shot is a little kid grown up looking back at it. And the audience just kind of left with this idea that this kid has seen all this fucked up, horrible shit. And the cycle may repeat itself. Who knows? But more more trauma has been unleashed in, in, yeah, in the world. The kid's got another – yeah, there's another violent monster which, built. Which, again, I want to mention that's a, a common trope with a lot of his movies. Even with Audition, that movie has a lot to do with trauma. With Visitor Q, you have this family that's being terrorized. So they, they react to it by being fucked up, weird sex people. Like. Every it, all of his movies deal with trauma, and we'll get into that even more later on. And how it per, uh, like just continues on through, mm-hmm. you know, so, the next generation. Before we move on, uh, a couple interesting things about this is um, the uh, the producer of this movie. When I was watching an interview with him, he was talking about how like when they were making Ichi the Killer, they knew that um, uh, Miki Miike had like an international audience. So he was like, okay, everyone's going to see this movie. I want to make a movie that shows people how extreme Japanese culture is because a lot of people might get an idea of Japanese culture as being this kind of like, like p- people office being worker subservient stoic yeah. stoic kind of like praying or whatever like they think oh they just bow all the time yeah. but he's like no in reality like we're fucked up crazy we're fucked up crazy people just like anybody else any other society has has all you've got the good and you've got the extreme the bad the ugly you've got everything and that's a big reason I mean you can imagine Michi uh, Mike's making this movie and the producers in his ear are like yeah dude. Do that shit. Yeah. Show it. It's Show like, it all. Like, it's like <laughs> hentai, you know. Hentai. When they started making hentai over there, it was more of like a, like an answer to like Japan has really strict censorship laws. You know, you can't show certain things, and they're real extreme about what they can and can't show. Like their porn, even like the private parts are all pixelated. Like even mm-hmm. like something extreme that you have to be an adult to watch is still censored to a point. And so, like, the reason why most hentai artists got into it, it was, like, kind of like their punk wave of, like, sticking it to the man. We're just going to draw these really fucked up things. And because it's a drawing and it's a tentacle going in a vagina, you can't pixelate it. Mm-hmm. So, fuck you. And that's kind of it's kind of like what this movie's doing with that. It's like, yeah, we're, we're fucking... Most people see us as this, like, subservient, like, just quiet, mild-mannered Japanese people. But really, this is what it's like underneath all that layer. Mm-hmm. This is that... Second layer. Once you peel it back, this is what we really are. That really ugly shit. Yeah, this is that ugly shit. shit. We're 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 just uh, we're just as fucked as the rest of you guys. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting goal yeah. to make to to want to be like yeah like guess what? But uh, so we ready to move on? Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So in that same year, uh, the same year has keep in mind. Each of the Killer came out the same year as Visitor Q, two totally different movies. But another movie that came out um, in October of 2001 was a movie called The Happiness of the Katakuris, which the same year he's making this weird fucking sex porn uh, shitty quality movie called Visitor Q. He makes this hyper-violent crime Yakuza movie called Each of the Killer. And then he, he makes a, m- a musical claymation hybrid. Yeah. Uh, it's, like a, it's a musical. Family ha- movie? Yeah, it's like a family. It's a weird movie. It's The, the way that I put it was it's a surprisingly touching musical about a family family that owns a small motel in which all of their guests suffer strange deaths. So basically this dad buys a motel thinking that it's going to be like a big tourist destination. Nobody comes, but when people do come, they just end up dying. So his family has to Don't bury... Don't they all like, commit suicide? Some I of thought, them commit suicide. Yeah. Some of them just die. Um, 
And uh, so they have to bury all these bodies, and it's just this family who's trying to get by, and all this crazy shit happens. Um, there's a bunch of weird uh, stop-motion sequences. The movie will just randomly just go into a stop-motion scene. Like claymation. Yeah, claymation, like stop-motion claymation. Um, I'm a also- fan of this movie, dude. It'll also go into like weird musicals and shit like that. I don't like musicals. I don't like claymation. So yeah. this movie was just like, nah. Oh, yeah, it's a nightmare. I mean, all these movies are nightmares, <laughs> but this movie's a nightmare in a different way. Like, there's not a the graphic gore. Just no. the subject is so like, why is this family? And, and by the end of the movie, the family actually bonds because uh, they've done all this shit together. They've been through so much burying all these bodies. The reason why they're burying the bodies is to point out is like they want the business to be successful. So they don't want to like, they don't want, like, a they don't want it, like getting in the papers that yeah. like, people just keep dying here. So like, no one's going to come. They're, I mean, they're, that's a they're not. Look. They're not killing these people. They're just trying to cover it up so that their business can be successful. Yeah, they're good people. They're just going about uh, the, the 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 removal of these bodies in kind of a bad way. But again, they're not getting any business. They're just trying to look out for each other. They're just trying to stick together as a family. They've been put through all these fucked up situations. So again, you have this idea of like good people who have horrible things going on in their lives, kind of like Visitor Q, kind of like Audition. It's kind of like a uh, Weekends at Bernie's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, real quick, just want to mention again, all three of those movies came out in the same year, and I looked it up. There are actually two other movies that came out that year. God so, damn. again, this motherfucker, like, if he's not shooting a movie, he's editing a movie, he's probably, like, editing at night, shooting by day, talking about the script to his next movie somewhere and, else. And again, these movies are, like, two hours long. All yeah, these movies all are movies long are as like shit. A lot of them are really long, they're yeah. all way too long. Most of them. Well, Visitor Q, well, Visitor Q is way too long for different reasons. That's yeah. only an hour and a half. Still um, too long for that movie. Twenty minutes of that is a is a daughter joking her yeah. father for coming too quick. Yeah, a <laughs> lot. Bird. I mean, a lot of his movies could be cut by about thirty minutes. Yeah, but, early bird. <laughs> but uh, just again, just kind of want to reiterate again. This guy worked as, a, as an assistant director for ten years. I mean, this guy got just got used to that life, just constantly making movies. And all that happened when he started directing movies, he had that same work ethic. But now he was the guy in charge. Um, so he's just constantly doing shit. And one interesting thing that he said um, was that he, he's not really as much attracted to the substance of a project. He's just interested in the circumstances of doing them. Um, for example, like when he finds out that, like, oh, these actors are going to be in this movie, we're going to have this writer, this production company, um, he doesn't even think, like, oh, do I really want to make this kind of movie? Do I want this script? He just thinks, oh, I like those people. Let's make a movie with them. Like, Katon, you made up the analogy of, it's, like... It's like working at a shitty job with, like, your best friends, like... Exactly. He doesn't... It, it's not so much doing the job. The job's unfulfilling. He doesn't give a shit. It's just that he gets to be around these cool people that he really enjoys working with mm-hmm. and just do some shit. Yeah, he just has fun. And that's yeah. the thing is, like, it's th- this is his full-time job. Like, whereas most directors, they'll kind of, like, put out a new movie every few years. They, like, fully immerse themselves in it. He's just, like, quick, bam, 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 just movie after movie after yeah, movie. Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino brags about, like, this is my eighth movie, like, in all the trailers <laughs> yeah. for his movies. The this eighth film by eight Quentin Tarantino. movies before he did any movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. he did eight <laughs> movies in a year. So, <laughs> like, a four-year period. Like, bruh. So, moving on, we're going to kind of rattle through a few that um, that I watch. Like, just just want to mention this real quick. When we had this topic, I went... Your boy, David, I went in. I love movies. I'm a huge mo- movie fan, so I, I really went in on all of his movies. This this next one, it's not quite Visitor Q, but it's 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 out there. <laughs> so we're gonna skip we're gonna skip a few more movies, uh two years over to two thousand three, um, where he released Gozu. So the very <laughs> The very first scene of Gozu, um, you see these like Yakuza guys in a uh, in a cafe, and they're just hanging out. And there's this one particular Yakuza guy who's a little bit crazy, and he's just like, "Yo, look outside!" And everyone looks over, and there's like this lady walking a dog, and they're like, "Okay, so what?" And he's like, "That's a Yakuza dog. 
that that dog's trained to kill Yakuza, and they're all like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? So this guy just abruptly, he's like, fuck it, and he gets up, and he goes outside and starts just grabbing the dog and throwing it against, like, a, um against the wall and he he puts he has it on the leash and he spins it around and yeah these are just it. like like two women walking down the street like with a chihuahua and this guy just goes out there rips his dog out of their hand and starts beating it into the wall yeah this is like the first <laughs> so this is like the first scene of the movie and again I don't want to get super into the plot but basically what it's about are these two Yakuza guys who like kind of consider themselves brothers they're not actual brothers they're just really tight the friends. one's like more of a mentor and the other one's like his protege mm-hmm. they're brothers in the Yakuza and the the younger one, like the older dude's, like just clearly gone off the deep end. He's crazy. He's out there saying everything's like Enemies just paranoid. The, the dog, yeah. the dog's mm-hmm. a yakuza dog, and it's a fucking chihuahua. It's trained to kill yakuza. His car is a yakuza trained yeah. to kill yakuza. Yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. yakuza car. So it's basically, like- the the head honchos are like, yeah, you need to kill this guy. He's just too much for us. Mm-hmm. We need to take him out. And that's like basically like the the start of the movie. So they're driving around, and he's like, they're acting like everything's good, but this guy on the low knows. He's like, yeah, I'm supposed to kill this guy at some point. But anyway, at some point they stop. He, they they go to like some truck stop or whatever, and and the younger guy gets out and he comes back, and the brother is just gone. The brother that he's supposed to kill is just not there so then the plot becomes okay where the fuck is the gotta guy? find him gotta find my bro gotta find him so so in short just he goes to a bunch of weird fucking places meets a bunch of weird ass characters at one point he ends up at a uh at this weird hotel where there's like this brother and his sister working there and uh he stays there and at one point he's in like the bath the 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 like the bath area and like the the woman who owns the hotel, she like comes in while he's taking a bath. He's butt ass naked. She just rolls up. She's like, "Can I join you?" He's like, "No." And she's like, "I join you anyway." He comes on <laughs> out, and she's just like, "Look at these big ass titties." And then he's just like, "Wait, okay, whatever." <laughs> she, by the way, she's like really old. She's like in her forties and fifties, and uh, that's not really old, but you know, older. And um, then she just starts milking her her nipples, and he's just like, "Dude, what the fuck, dude?" Like, I'm just trying she's to like trying to. She's like, "Don't you want to drink this?" Yeah, she's like, "Don't you want this?" All of our all of our guests want this, and he's just like, "No." And eventually, she leaves. That milk might have changed his life, yeah. though, man. She's real mad about, like, what? You don't want my fucking milk? <laughs> yeah. She's like, at, she acts like that's just a normal thing. Again, this movie, a lot like Visitor Q, takes place in, like, another dimension. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> one thing leads to another, and we find a scene where basically this woman is, like, milking herself, and she's, like, uh, trying to summon uh, the spirit of Gozu, which Gozu means uh, cow head or ox head ox in head, Japanese. Yeah. And she's, like, beating the br- her brother for some reason because she's like, come on, become Gozu. And he's like, I can't do it. And eventually one thing leads to another. Um, and our main character wakes up in the middle of the night and he hears some weird noises and he walks out to this room and he just sees a dude just chilling with a fucking full-on cow head and just staring at him. And he's just looking just at him like... dripping slime, dude. Yeah. Just dripping. And he's looking at the cow head and he's just, like, in shock. He's like, what the fuck? So the cow head dude, the Gozu, starts walking up to him and he just starts fucking licking his face. He's like, bleh, 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 bleh. and he's just like, what the fuck? And I guess it means something. I don't really know. It's again, know. doesn't he like give him like a paper or something like telling him? Where oh the boss yeah, is? It tells him where to go. Yeah, yeah, he tells him where to go to find the boss, and then yeah. he just like licks his face. Well, not, not the boss, but the, the brother he was the, looking the brother, for. Yeah. yeah, his 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 like um mentor mentor yeah and and for some reason in the scene, just for some reason, uh, it also cuts to a shot of the brother. Who's like sucking on the his like sister's titties or mother's oh, titties or whatever? The, the hotel owner. Just for some reason, they're just like, look at this shit. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, look just at again, this. 
So, um, so then we cut to uh, the guy traveling. He's he's going to the place where the Gozu told him to go, and he goes to this like impound lot where they're like impounding cars and shit. And he's like, "Hey, I I had I was told my brother my brother's here," and they're like, "Yeah, he came here dead. He was in a car, and we smashed and we crushed the car. We crushed him." And then we cut his skin off and took out all of his organs. Matter of fact, here's a bucket full of his organs. They're just like, look at this shit. And he's just like, oh. And then they're like, oh, do you want to see his you skin? Want, you want his skin back there? You want to see the skin, though? You're like, for extra proof? Because he's like, no way. And he's, they're like, okay, I'll show you his skin. You can see him, just his skin. They go up to this this like uh, this back room where there's a ton of different skins. Just and, all types of skins. Like, yeah. you want it, you got it. And a lot a lot of them have the Yakuza tattoos. So you know yeah. that these are, dudes are like Yakuza impounders. And they go to this guy's skin. And you see his back first, and they're like, yep, those are his tattoos. Fuck, that's my brother. And then this fucking weirdo, uh, while he's showing the, the guy, the, the person he's looking for, he turns the guy around, and then there's his dick skin chilling there. And then he points to his dick, and he's like, this is your brother. <laughs> he's like, this is, this is your man. He's just like, what the fuck, dude? So like, which is just weird. So then the guy goes. Then the guy goes outside, and he's chilling in his car. And all of a sudden, this woman rolls up. This like uh, pretty attractive woman, and he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm your brother." And she's and he's like, "What?" And then she starts listening to these weird facts that that uh, he only shares. Again, it's only. not. They're not brother brother. They're not like siblings. They're, they're brothers they're, in the yakuza. They're brothers. Yeah. They're they're just they're more boys. This shit all- gets weird, but it ain't. It ain't. That uh, weird, yeah, and we're it ain't that weird. weird. It ain't incestual. So he's like, "No way, you're not, you're not, you're not my brother." Again, I'm saying brother because I refer to him, yeah, as yeah. brother. But she's like, uh, she's like, "No, like I know this weird detail, and there's this one detail about like one time when they were hanging out when he was like, "Hey, how'd the circumcision go?" And let me see, and he's like, "Oh, looks beautiful as ever." Looking at his dick, and and she tells him that story, and he's she like, repeats the words like verbatim, exactly like conversation, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, only my brother would have known that, so you really are it." And she, and he's still like, "What the fuck?" And she tells him more and more weird shit about about him, like one thing about how like he used to he whacked beat off up. to dogs, fucking yeah. Which who, who even shares that like, in the first yeah, place? What? what you know. I mean, I guess if you are doing that shit, disclose that shit so I can be like, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> like, you might need some you know, safety yeah. advice. Guys, I got something to tell you. <laughs> oh, hot take, hot take. All right, uh, let's get through this. Okay, okay. So <laughs> get this one off me. So basically, uh, so he's just hanging out with his friend or his brother who is now uh, a girl, and he's just like, what the fuck, what the fuck, dude. So they're like hanging out, and he, he calls the Yakuza people, and he tells the bosses, look, man. My bro's a chick now. Well, well, he calls him. them and he. They're like, "Did you kill him?" And he's like, "Yeah, he's 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 dead." But there's some there's something else. It's a caveat. And they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" He's like, "I just gotta come see you and tell you." So anyway, um, so they go they they go off and they're traveling together. And at some point before before he can bring, oh yeah, um, she's a slut too. Like oh his yeah, bro's like a slut now too. She just like runs off with some truck dude because he said he wanted to show her his truck. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, and then he rolls up and he starts. He's like, "What the fuck?" And he's like beating up the truck guy. He's like, "You can't just have sex with a random dude at a truck stop." And she's like, "But he wanted to show me something." Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, I know, his dick." Like, <laughs> so, so they're they're cruising around. Like, they're 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 on their way back to the Yakuza uh, people where he can kind of report and tell them like, "Hey, this is actually him, but he's a girl now, or whatever." But at some point, they stay at a hotel, oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and they had this weird scene where like. Um, she's like, hey, do you want to fuck me? And he's like, no, you're my brother. I'm not going to have sex with you. <laughs> and then, like, she sleeps on the bed. He sleeps on the couch. She falls asleep, and he gets up. Then he's, like, kind of, like, taking her, her, uh, um, her like, blanket off, and he's, like, admiring her body. And then he hears this weird sound coming from her vagina, and it's, like, the Gozu monster sound. It's, like, some, gozu, gozu. And he's just like, what the fuck? And she wakes up. 
And then she's just like, uh, yeah, you wanna fuck? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she just wakes up, you see her eyes open, and the first thing she says, she's just like, you wanna have sex? And he's just like, oh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then one thing leads to another. She's uh, like, well, wake me up if you wanna fuck. Exactly. <laughs> so they uh, so they wake up the next day, and they're traveling to accuse the people, and they finally get there. And uh, he goes inside, and he's like, yeah, like, I thought he was dead, but you got to believe me, he was turned into a woman. They're like, what the fuck, you're crazy. And then she rolls up. He's like, okay, tell them, tell them what's up. And she's like, what are you talking about? I am the daughter of this guy, some random fucking dude who apparently uh, this apparently knew the Yakuza boss. And the Yakuza boss is kind of like, he's not even worried about the whole thing about her being a brother anymore. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, he's like, bad. who's it? Oh, exactly. He's like, who is this? And he's like, oh, I helped your dad out. And she's like, yeah, you helped my dad out. You were great. She's just making this shit up. I think she is. Who knows? Uh, who knows, dude? That's yeah. the thing. Like, does this even matter? Yeah, at this point, exactly. <laughs> but regardless, like, he's he's talking to her. It's kind of becoming a thing. And then he's like, yeah, you should come meet me up sometime. And they arrange to meet up another time. We cut forward to her going back to the Yakuza boss's house. And he's, like, getting the moves on with her, kissing all of her neck and shit. And he's like, hold on, give me one moment. And he goes off to this fucking, like, little shrine thing where he's got these big soup ladles. Multiple soup ladles. Yeah, different sizes. And he pulls one out. And he's like, I got I to gotta use this to get hard. I can't get up without this. So he shoves a fucking soup, la- soup ladle up his ass and then he starts then he's like hard as fuck he's and like he's oh ready. He's, there you he's go fully torqued fully torqued and he starts fucking on her and then all of a sudden uh, dude rolls up the the brother the, the guy who's looking for him the whole time our main protagonist he rolls up through a fucking window he's like what the fuck and then the, the guy with the super little ass goes he's up he's really not cool with people trying to fuck his brother yeah he's like no 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 <laughs> and so the yakuza boss guy like lets him in he's like dude what the fuck are you doing here i'm just trying to fuck homegirl with a soup ladle up my ass the whole time he's got a soup ladle up his ass and they start fighting the guy's like no you're not gonna fuck my brother and he punches him <laughs> in the face the guy with the soup ladle up his ass falls back on the soup ladle and you just see the soup ladle just just going deeper and deeper into him then it's like well, milk yeah he shits out some like uh milk or like soup I don't know, dude. Just some white shit came out of his asshole. They're milking his prostate. Uh, huh. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, so, anyway, then that shit happens, and we go back to a hotel where uh, home dude's chilling with Minami, Min- 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 uh, his brother slash hot girl, whatever, and then he's like, fuck it, let's have sex. And then he they gets start- in, he's like, shit, she bad, you know? She bad. Uh. So they start having sex, and, and, and he's like, oh, wait. You're so tight. You're so tight. And, and this is where the movie starts getting weird. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this is when it starts getting weird. He can't, again, same thing as Visitor Q. He can't get out. His He's dick stuck. is stuck. We got another dick stuck trope going on. Like, yes. So he yeah, dra- but why is his dick stuck, Payne? Let's uh, let's go into that. No, we're going to have that. We find out. So he drags her back. He's like dragging He's her. He's like dragging her back. And He's like literally He's trying to rip out. And like this girl's like getting dragged across the floor like. Just like violently, He's yeah, like, it's really weird to yeah. like watch. It's really that's the one scene that really bothered more than like. The, I think there's a stretching sound effect in there, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, him <laughs> dragging this chick's body, and she's kind of like limp, lifeless, just like Ugh, getting dragged. I don't know. That shit just fucking bothered me. <laughs> so he drags her back to this room, and then he he finally kind of gets out, but then there's still something grabbing. Like he gets his dick out, but then there's something there, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And there's a hand coming out of her vagina, grabbing his dick, and he's like, what the fuck? And like, he finally gets free, and he goes to the corner, and he's just like, what the fuck? And then the hand is like, clawing to get its way out, and then the whole fucking brother, the whole ass dude, crawls out as a grown ass man, out of her vagina, and he's just like, 
Sup? Yeah, he's just like, it was hot in there. Yeah. <laughs> and the movie just ends with them just chilling. Well, yeah, all well, three like, of yeah, them. Yeah, all she, three of them. So as the brother, like, climbs out of uh, the chick, I guess he resided in, she looks all, like, withered and lifeless and, uh, like, a raisin. Like, so they she, put her in a bath. Yeah, and she's so, just like, good. We, we cut scene to some time later where she's in a bath, just totally chilling, and she's like, yeah, hey, what's up? You guys ready to go? And now it's <laughs> like all nothing three ever of happened. them. Yeah, three of them walk out, arm in arm. Out into the into the sun sun <laughs> Just like, the sunset. Oh, and real quick before the end credits come up, there's that guy's face. Oh yeah, like hey, yeah, just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's at the very end. Just at the, at the last moment, they're just like for a second, they're just a guy who's just like ah, gotcha, oh, got him. Because that, that's that Takashi Miike shit. He's like, I made you watch this shit. God, <laughs> stupid. So so boom. I did we cover? Did we cover enough of this? Have we? Yeah, I know there's a few more movies. But yeah, we gotta wrap this. Up, yeah, we'll dude. wrap this one up. I do. I did want to mention real quick in a Suicide Girls interview I found with uh, Takashi Miike. <laughs> The interviewer was like, in the press notes for Gozu, you call yourself crazy, which is understandable. And, and she's like, so have you ever been to a psychiatrist, dude? To which Takashi Miike replies, I go to the dentist, not a shrink. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I love that oh, line. Um, so the same movie, uh, another movie called, um, the same year, 2003, that Gozu came out, he also put out a movie called One Miss Call, which is like a more mainstream Japanese horror movie. Um, not going to talk about that one too much. It was just kind of churned out. It's it's good. It's worth seeing. But um, it was that whole era of like um, the Grudge. Yeah, it was kind of the same. It was on the it was riding the coattails of like the Grudge, yeah. the Ring. Back when of stuff. America was obsessed with Japanese horror for like that two year period. Yeah, <laughs> and in fact, that movie got remade or got uh, an, an American adaptation in two thousand eight. One missed call. Wow. Yeah. So moving forward to uh, two thousand four, we've got another big weird movie called Izo. Um, which the beginning of this movie, there's like a little intro by Takashi Miike where he's like, "It was very bizarre making this film, but so are you for watching it." <laughs> Just this movie, he says this. So you should have put yeah. that in front of Visitor Q. <laughs> you could have put that in front of any of his movies. Yeah, every one of these movies. So this movie is based on a famous Edo period samurai assassin that was crucified and beheaded by the Japanese government. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about the plot because there's not really a plot. It's basically just about this this assassin guy who goes out into the world and just kills everybody that represents order. So Izo is this character that represents all of the factors in the world that are trying to destroy order. Mm. Which I think is very relevant to all of Takashi's Miike's movies. They're all about this element of like, like you watch his movies and you're like, whoa, this is fucking crazy. But the reality is everything, everything that's happened in a Takashi Miike movie has probably happened at some point in the world. All this weird shit exists. It exists in people's yeah. heads. I'd like to argue that point. I don't think anyone's ever crawled out of a vagina. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you're right. Actually, point. matter of fact, this movie ends with uh, Izo crawling out of a vagina. He, yeah, full, fully grown. Yeah, fully grown. There's a scene at the end of the movie. Hot in there. There's a, yeah, there's, a, there's a scene at the end of the movie where Izo's like running on this like CGI infinity symbol. And he's like, what the fuck? And he cuts the infinity symbol. And then it cuts to a scene of him just being born out of his mom. Who, by the way, early in the movie, he fucked his mom. Wow. Well, yep. Yep. Yeah. So, one more thing I want to mention with this uh, is... Uh, this movie, there's, it's really philosophical. This movie is like, it's just a convoluted mess. The plot is so loose, it's really hard to understand. Like, there's, I wouldn't even say there is a plot. It might be the weirdest movie next to Visitor Q, where it's just like, here's a bunch of images, and you have to make your own interpretation of it. Um, so it's just full of, like, phil- philosophy. This movie is a post-modern, bizarre movie. <clears throat> and there's this one line where one of these guys is saying, he's like, a system 
stems from imperfection. A perfect system is maintained through a healthy balance of irrationality. That is the Ezo system. So that's the whole idea of this movie, is that like throughout all of, of all the order that we think we have in our lives, all these ideas of nationalities, borders, politics, philosophy, morality, all of that stuff is just an illusion. And the reality is that everything is just in chaos. You have to have a certain level of irrationality, and Ezo is there to bring the balance. All right, so um, this is going to be probably our last big heavy hitter that we're going to talk about, but this is a big one. So uh, after being known internationally as a horror kingpin because of movies like Audition, Itch the Killer, even Two Degree Gozu and Visitor Q, um, uh, some producers are working on a show called The Masters of Horror where they want to contact all of these different big-name horror directors to make um, hour-long films. So they get people like John Carpenter and Dario Argento and Toby Hooper, and they also enlist uh, Takashi Miike because he's so well known for uh, audition each of the killer blah 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 and they make a movie called Imprint in 2006 so this one it's very short it doesn't have much of a <laughs> so, so uh, Miki actually said that um, because of movies like Audition and Each of the Killer, he became misunderstood by international audiences because most oh, of his movies. Oh, really? Well, well <laughs> as far as being pigeonholed as a horror director, because most of his movies are not horror; they're mostly just weird. Um, and he has this great quote where he's like, "Well, that's horror in itself." The the unknown of his movies. I mean, I, a regular person who's not into this shit watching Gozu. I could see someone that's taking that as horror because it's just fucking bizarre. That scares people more than anything half the time. It's kind of like if you watch, like some people consider Eraserhead a horror movie, yeah, but exactly. it's, like, it's technically not, but because of how weird it is, it feels like horror. So he has this great line where he's talking about it where he's like, so I guess they thought, let's get the guy from Audition. Like, we're looking for horror directors, <laughs> uh, I don't know, let's represent the Japanese culture of horror, I don't know, Audition guy. Um, so uh, we want to talk about the plot of this movie real quick. Sure, sure. Yeah, let Mark take this one. <laughs> All right. So, we've got a Westerner. I don't really know what time or realm this takes place in. Roughly, really. like, the eight, late 1800s, I'd he, say. He has a revolver, so it's, like, like true. late 1800s, true. early 1900s. Mm-hmm. We've got a mm-hmm. Westerner along with a couple other guys, and they're traveling on the boat to what we later uh, find out is Whore Island. Yeah, basically Whore Island. Island. Whore <laughs> Island. <laughs> yeah, where there's multiple concubines, and you get there, they're like grabbing at the gates, trying to get to these guys. They're hot for it, they're ready for it. These guys are all stoked, they're ready for it. And this western dude, this white dude, uh, he's looking, apparently, for someone specific. Uh, mm-hmm. Kokomo. Kokomo, <laughs> a, a, lo- a long-lost lover of his. Yeah, a long-lost yes. lover of his, who's also a concubine. And uh, she's not there. He inquires for her. She is not. Prostitute. Yeah, yeah, sex worker. (laughs) Whore Island. (laughs) We're on Whore Island, guys. I like that word, concubine. (laughs) It's a good word. But, uh, yeah, he inquires she's not there. Uh, The Manam, or whoever he talks to, Mm -hmm. who is this kind of like. uh, She's a bitch. A dwarf. Not not her, but the one. Oh, the little dwarf lady. She's like, oh, we've got. You should stay there. He's one of the. He's the Oompa Loompa from the. the, It's um, a dude? No, there's a girl. No, uh, that's the Oompa Loompa guy from the uh, new um, Willy Wonka movies. Oh, oh. wow, really? The oh. uh, Tim Burton ones. That oh, little shit. Indian dude that played all the Oompa Loompas? Oh, really? That's him. Huh. Oh. Well, anyway, so he, he's at the island. He's looking <laughs> He's looking for his girl because he knows that she was sold into prostitution somehow, which I don't know how this guy just fucking lost his lover <laughs> and she just ends up being sold into prostitution. <laughs> like, you were keeping a better eye on her. Well, she was originally a prostitute and like he yeah, had to, to go like... With. Because oh, you right, said true, he was a true, journalist. True. I thought he was a soldier, but whatever. I mean, he had to go off and do something, and when he came back to, like, buy her freedom, 
she was gone. She had she been sold gone. off. So, so that's he, he's trying to find her to buy her freedom. So she she she's not there, and he's like, okay, I got to leave this island. And this the little lady, the Oopaloopa lady, she's like, she's like, no, uh, you you should stay. I'll give you a good raid. You can get one of our most beautiful women. And he's like, no, no, no. And she's like, no, you got to stay here. Like what? The, you saw all those there's, dead there's bodies no, over in yeah, the yeah, fucking yeah. water outside. Like, no, you don't. Demons and uh, whores here. Oh know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. One line they say that there's only demons and whores here. Yeah. So um, he's got. So it's like, okay, I gotta stay the night. I gotta pick out a girl. So he picks up the most mysterious girl there, who's just like this spooky girl in the corner. She's and like get, the one, the one girl who's not like crawling, crawling through the, the cages, gates, yeah. trying to get to these suitors. Trying yeah, to get she to wasn't down. Yeah, she was in the back, and that, that's when you see the madame. It's like, get your ass out there, get that. Get that pussy to make work. that make that pussy pay. <laughs> That's literally what she says. <laughs> so um so he so he's back in his room. He's like, okay, I gotta stay here. And he's got this girl, and they're drinking sake. And then she you, she reveals her face, and you realize that half of her face is like seriously seriously deformed. Deformed, yeah. Like she's kind of got like a half a Glasgow smile, almost like a natural one, and like her uh, her eyes all fucked up. She looks like 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 she had like a face made of wax, and they melted a side of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is yeah. probably what the actual special effect was, or right. I guess it'd be latex. But anyway. So they're hanging out, and and uh, he's like, "Oh, it's this weird actor, by the way. Uh, what was his fucking Billy name? Draco. Billy Drago. He's like, "Oh, tell me a story. Tell me a bedtime story. I'm a journalist. He, I want to." He literally talks like that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He t- he, he's, he's got t- the weirdest fucking like just voice. He kind of reminds me of uh, the guy from the room, um, Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, yeah, Wiseau. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, Definitely. "Oh, tell me a story." Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so she starts telling him um, like uh, a story, you about know, her like childhood, and yeah, and it ends up being about uh, the girl. Which what was the girl's? Kokomo, Kokomo, and because he keeps screaming that over again. Oh, Kokomo, God, Kokomo. Well, we don't even. Yeah, because yeah, she. Uh, well, he doesn't even know that she's dead yet. I think, but he's telling the story, and she's like, "Okay, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you how fucking Kokomo died." Pretty much. So he's walking her through like how she ended up at, at the brothel, and she finds that the Kokomo was there, and apparently. Uh, basically, Kokomo was framed for stealing the madame's like uh, dinner ring. She's got yeah. many rings. Yeah, for she's some got a ring that she'll put away like after the morning. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah she puts away the ring, uh, takes another ring out. Yeah. And then and he goes back and replaces it at dinner time. <laughs> exactly. But we find out that that ring has been stolen, and uh, we don't know who stole it at this point. But um, apparently she found like some little artifact in her room, and she's like, whose shit is this? Whose is this? And they're like, oh, that's... What was her name it's again? Kokomo. Kokomo. Oh, that's Kokomo's. And so then we proceed with her like trying to find information about the ring. Again, Kokomo doesn't know what happened to the ring, but they start torturing her anyway to get they answers. They decided it's her. They it's kind of a mob mentality because she's unliked. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's like yeah. she's like the she's most a, positive of the prostitutes, and the other prostitutes hate that about her. So and she's a bottom like, bitch. She's she's getting money. She's getting rice. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they're she's like getting rice. They're like <laughs> they're like let's fuck this bitch up. No funny shit because like that's how they like get their food and stuff. Yeah. So like in that scene where you see. Uh, they're eating and stuff. She's literally getting paid in rice. Who's the yeah. who's the uh, the, the face girl? girl? Yeah, I what can't was her remember. Name? I can't remember. Can't but remember. anyway, she does not get any rice because she's not been putting that pussy to work. Exactly, and that's when the lady says, yeah. "Make that pussy pay." And Kokomo is actually kind to her. The he only person that's kind to her gives her some of her rice and some of her fucking snacks. And so Kokomo is like a good girl. Yeah, but nonetheless, because of that stuff that's, that that has been found, or because she's been framed pretty much for stealing this ring, they take her up to another room mm. and then they start torturing her. And the linen is, closet, and this is key. They're like, don't, don't, uh, don't hurt her face or her body because that's what's got to pay. Yep. But we're gonna torture her. So this is when this is when the movie starts getting wild. Uh, whatever. We don't gotta go into detail. <coughs> oh yeah, we do. No, we do. No, 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 no. No. 
it's just like every other Takashi movie. We're so they bust like, out the needles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, needles are, are in, a, in full in full effect. But this should fuck me up. So, Mark, do you want to describe what happens? No. Come on, Mark, come on. <laughs> We're already, like, almost two hours in. Oh, Basically, man. they torture her They shove a bad. bunch of needles through her gums. Yeah. Well, they like, sho- first they shove them through her fingernails, and every single fingernail well, in one hand. And then her, they, they show the First they thing. light the incense and shove them under her armpits. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, they yeah, burn yeah, her yeah, armpits with that. incense. Yeah. God, yeah, that is a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. a lie. It's and then a they lie. Put, then they put these these needles just in her fucking finger in, in fingernails, and you see the whole thing. Like, it's like, again, look at it! They've got her, like, shit. tied up and hog-tied on this fucking pulley system where they're, like, yanking her up and around to, mm-hmm. and then they, like, hoist her up. Uh, and that's after they also put the, in her gums. Oh, yeah, so it's yeah. in her fingernails oh, and her gums, in her mouth. She's got needles coming out of her fingernails, out of her gums, and then they just hoist her on up. And they and have her hanging upside down, and she starts pissing herself. Oh, yeah, and, and then just to add, again, Mikay's like, oh, that's, you know what else? What if she pissed herself? <laughs> that's that's the one that hit me hard on So the she's just got pee rolling down her face. <sighs> yeah, it's brutal. So and then and then that's when our boy, Billy Drago's <laughs> character, is just like, no, my Kokomo! No, 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 no. well... Uh, so th- this is also told by uh, Two Face Girl, and she um, she tells him that you know they left her like that, mm. uh, or sent her back to her room. She came back to check on her, and she oh, hung, hung herself. Her some yeah. water, yeah, and she had hung herself. Yeah. Then we cut back to Billy Drago to the frame story. Yeah, yeah and he's like, "Oh no!" And and oh, oh no. come on. my god! Oh god! Yet god unsatisfied with this story, somehow yeah. what really like, happened? Yeah, tell me what really happened. He's like, "There's more here. You're leaving something out. So Wh- tell me what really happened." Which is so weird because she just told a super fucked up, uncensored yeah. story, and it's like you don't think that's it? How if is I was that hiding not something enough from for you, dude? Yeah. <laughs> Although his instincts were correct, we find yeah, out he even was more. right. Yeah, he was right. There was more. There was much more to So, really, Kokomo didn't hang herself after all that. No. Um, Two-Face Girl came back and killed her. Well, we also find that Two-Face Girl is the one that framed her for yeah, stealing yeah, yeah. the ring. We found mm-hmm. out the whole time that even though that Kokomo was really nice to Two-Face Girl, Kokomo still just felt jealous of her. She didn't yeah. like how positive Two-Face she was. Two-Face Girl felt jealous of Kokomo. Yeah, Two-Face Girl felt jealous of Kokomo because like, she was like, okay, like you're in this... You're, like as she put it, your your body is in hell, but your mind is in heaven. She's so jealous of this girl because yeah. she's just so so much happier, so much more beautiful, uh, more beautiful than her. So she's the one that frames her. And when she and yeah, like you said, in reality, when she finds that she's being hoisted up, all the needles in her, we find that she actually killed him, and or killed her. And then uh, it cuts back to the frame story. And and he's still not satisfied. He's like, she's like, oh yeah, it was actually me that killed her. And he's like, no, there's something you're not no, telling you're me. Still something out. So then we get the whole story of Two Face Girl. She gives it all, the whole backstory. The everything. whole backstory. We well, find not, not even. She still has to explain again after that. Remember? Then were there only three? No, no, she tells the story. And then he's like, "But there's still something." And then she brings up the the. Oh main yeah, that, well thing. that'll that'll kind of happen a little bit later. But we find out her whole backstory. Where basically, like um, Two Face Girl came from like this poor uh, rural Japanese family. Um, and her mom was an abortionist. We see this one scene where literally her mom is just out in like a creek and just like swagging, like no no fucks given, just pulls out a 
fucking baby fetus out of a bucket and, and drops just drops it in the water. Drops it. And they do it so they're just like, look at this shit. Like, Ugh. there's no lead up. There's nothing. You're just out of nowhere. You're like, oh shit. Oh, fuck. You almost don't know what you're looking at that first time. Like, what yeah. was that? What was that? And that's the thing. This movie has a lot of just baby fetuses. You see, that's not the first baby fetus that you'll see. That's one of many baby fetuses that you begin to see. So we. We now know that the the mom is an abortion. Uh, do, uh, what do you what do you call that? Mm. An abortionist sounds pretty sick. I mean, <laughs> just, I mean that's I don't know really how. Else that to sounds like a metal band. Yeah, abortionist. <laughs> so we find out the mom is an abortionist. The the dad is a is a drunk alcoholic who's like beating up his wife at one point, asking he's like Saki Saki. She's like no money, no money, and he's like. Saki and he starts beating the shit up while yelling Saki. I'm gonna punch and kick the Saki out of you. Yeah, basically. Uh, and then we find out that uh, he also raped his daughter. Mm. Like one day he's having a, after a long day of beating his wife and being drunk, he just he's like, "What other fucked up shit can I do?" And he looks at his daughter, and then like, we find oh. out that she's that pretty much he raped her. And then it cuts to a scene of her just being like, "Fuck this shit." She bashes his fucking brains in with a rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then soon after, uh, that's when we find out that, uh, cause he's like, he, again, yeah, he cuts back to the frame story. And he's like, no, what really happened? <laughs> After all this shit, there's still something. And that's when we find out about, uh, little, little miss, um, Hib. well, first, first it's revealed that her mother and father, again, it goes back. She was like, I was born in poverty. She's like restarting the story all over again. And it, it turns out her mother and father were brother and sister. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 true, yeah, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which and means that is an incestuous, she was an incest yeah, baby. That's why she came out deformed. Actually, one one quick thing, uh, she came out deformed, she came out with this little thing on her head, and the mom I tried to... join twin. Yeah, and I forgot to mention, the mom tried to dump her. Yeah, she, like, dumps her in the river and, sma- and like, smashes her head on a rock. And then she comes back two days later. Two days later, and the baby's like she's like caught in like a current like against the rock, and, and she's, she's just, just sitting there crying, crying still like alive. So the mom's like, "Oh well, fuck I it. guess I'll take you." Yeah, fuck <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. With, with little with, with her little conjoined sister in tow. It's with, with conjoined sister. By that we mean too. It's a, a it's hand. three fingers. Yeah, in a no, mouth. it's a whole hand. It's a yeah, whole yeah, it's ass a full hand. hand. Yeah, yeah, it's a full hand, or at least the top half of the hand and a mouth, including a thumb with two eyeballs and a mouth. And he looks gnarly. The mouth lays at the base of her scalp, where all for the better to chew at her head when it disobeys her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like the it's literally like she has like a devil on her shoulder, well, more like on her head, and the twin tells her to do like all this evil shit, and like anytime she doesn't listen to the, he just the like hand, <laughs> <it> <laughs> bites the shit out of her. I think he just does it for fun sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, wake up, bitch! <laughs> she's, like, she's, just, she's just jealous because like she's not a person, so she just fucks with Two Face Girl, and Two Face Girl's already got a rough and. Or- Imagine the nerves for that. That's literally all you just blinking and biting. That's probably all <laughs> the thing can do, Pretty and whispering much. dark secrets, I guess. <laughs> so, and we find out that. That, that little conjoined twin is the reason why Two Faced Girl had uh, had done all these horrible things. Like yeah. we find out that that's the reason that she framed Kokomo. Kokomo, damn. That's the reason that she that she framed Kokomo. Like pretty much that's her evil side. And then the guy's just like, whoa, fuck. And then yeah, um, Two Faced Girl ended up actually stealing the ring of the Madame. She's the one that stole the ring. Yeah, yeah. Because, it was because the, the, the monster wanted to eat the yeah. fucking ring because it likes pretty things. Yeah. yeah. So we cut back to the. It also story. has bars. This thing, this this thing. Oh, you can, can sing. sing. Yeah, this there's one part where it's singing. It's like <laughs> it's actually kind of nice. Yeah, it was soothing. And you've seen that little girl there too, the the actress. And I'm just like, whose parents let this girl do this shit? But um. <sighs> but anyway, so we cut Those back. Sad cards, baby. So we cut back 
to the um to the frame tail and he's like oh you're evil shit and then the the hand thing comes out and it's talking to Billy Drago's character and it's like oh remember that one time remember what happened to your sister like you're fucked up too and then we find out all of a sudden that apparently Billy Drago's character killed his little sister at some well, point he well, does, he does mention yeah, they he, barely mention in the past yeah, yeah. yeah he does mention when he's telling her like his story and his love well, the reason Kokomo. why he loved Kokomo was because it reminded him of yeah, his, sister. his sister which is also so weird innocent which yeah. is also very weird yeah very weird um, weird that, offhand thing to say yeah um, so he's like, alright, fuck this shit. Like, he's triggered because she finds out that, uh, Two-Faced Girl killed his, I mean, he's, he, he, she his killed, love. uh, his love. He finds out that she's got this weird little fucking, uh, crazy demon thing that somehow knows about his sister. Yeah. That fucks him up. And also spoke in Kokomo's voice. Oh, Remember yeah. Remember it, it's like, you were supposed to come You were supposed to help me. This thing can mimic voices. Yeah, it's like a demon, basically. It's not just uh, it's not just um, this weird conjoined twin. It's like a demon. Mm. Like it's, it knows it's supernatural. It knows uh, special powers. Um, so then he's like, "Fuck this shit!" And he shoots her in the head. And she bends down. She's like looking down, and she raises her head up. And whose face is it? It's Kokomo. It's your girl. Yeah. And mm. she's like, "How could you?" And he's just like, "Oh my god!" And then they have this another like Takashi Miike signature. Oh, Look yeah. at this shit moment yeah. where you see the back of her head, and there's just all the Blow brains. And she just grabs some of her brains and is like, "Look!" Yeah, she holds it. <laughs> Look, at this. Look at these brains <laughs> like, running through my what? fingers. <laughs> and, that's, and then, why? And he's just like, "Yeah, why?" <laughs> So then we cut to the end of the movie. The guy, we find out Billy Drago is in jail for murder. And these two guards are like, oh, we're going to have fun with you. And they, they give him some slop in a bucket. He's eating the slop. He's like, hop, 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 hop. And then he grabs the bucket. And he's about to eat out of the bucket. And then what does he see in the bucket? An aborted fetus. A aborted fetus just chilling. Yeah, in some blood slop. But instead of your boy being like, what the fuck? He's like, oh. And like wraps his arms around the bucket. And he's like whispering to it and he's like oh yeah and then we get some forest ghosts of uh, Kokomo and his dead sister I'm assuming yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh yeah chilling right next to him yeah. fucking uh, return the Jedi Obi-Wan <laughs> yeah, style yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some forest ghosts baby yeah they're just chilling they're like yeah we, we, we with you and, and he's so he's lost his mind he's in jail now and that yeah. is imprint. There you go. So uh, a couple. Is that what you wanted? <laughs> is that what you wanted? <laughs> Look at this shit. <laughs> so a couple things about this movie. Um, this the 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 screenwriter for this movie was was uh, Daisuke Tengen, the same guy that wrote Audition, but it was based on a book by a writer and porn director Shimeko Iwai. So the person who wrote Imprint, the book, was a porn director. Um, and another interesting thing to point out is that this movie was in English because it was made for an English television show. Um, but get this. So you've got horrible torture scenes, you've got baby fetuses, multiple baby fetuses, all this crazy shit, and guess what happened when Takashi Miike gave this movie to Showtime for them to show on TV? <laughs> for the Masters of Horror series. Yes. They were like, fuck, Thanks. no. Thanks. They were like, a strong, Thanks, but no yeah, things. nah, bro. Strong, yeah, yeah nah. Thanks, yeah. but no things. So, <laughs> so this was supposed to be the last episode of it, and apparently, like, they were, they were, like, everyone knew, like, Imprint was coming out, but the last moment, Showtime was just like, Dude, yeah, nah. nah. <laughs> so they just did not release it. Uh, it didn't. It straight up did not go on television, and they released it separately on DVD. Where it even said banned from broadcast television at the top. Ooh, so cool then they cover. own that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It literally says it's from the director of Audition and each of the killer banned from broadcast. Mm. Um, but it's a hard movie. This is a pretty rough movie. So I mean, again, to <laughs> kind of rattle off everything that goes on in this movie. This movie, uh, it's got rape, incest, conjoined twins, patricide, sororicide, infanticide, abortion, and just fetuses back and forth. I actually didn't think it was that bad. Hmm. 
Mm. It's a hot take. I thought it was pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't too shocked yeah. by it. I okay. watched it twice in one night. I, I just because think... I wanted you to see. I wanted to see you see it, and uh, I yeah yeah. I mm. I definitely thought um, Gozu or fucking Visitor Q were way worse. I don't think. Well, Gozu never really. Gozu was just like what the fuck. But Visitor Q and Imprint were definitely the movies where I was like, oh my god, dude. <laughs> that was yeah. hard. Visitor Q. Visitor Q was rough for you, boy. Okay, so right. we're we're kind of wrapping this yeah, all let's up. So we're getting this wrapped up. So a couple other notable movies. Uh, in 2007, he made uh, Sukiyaka Western Django, which actually has Quentin Tarantino in it. Mm-hmm. He made this movie uh, a, a year after Imprint, and it's actually also in English. It's all Japanese actors speaking English. Actually, um, a pretty sick movie, man. It's actually kind of interesting to watch. It's kind of got a uh, uh, kung fu hustle s type. Uh, things to it. It's, oh, it's, it's actually a fun movie, yeah. That's true. And let's mention, this came out before Quentin Tarantino's uh, Django. Django and Chain. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also made, made a movie in 2010 called 13 Assassins, which is a really good movie. Like, if, if there's anything you get from this, if you're not about fucked up shit, uh, well, I mean, 13 Assassins is still kind of fucked up, but it's, it's just a good action-packed movie. It's a remake of a 1963 film about a ragtag group of samurai during the shogun-ruled Edo period Japan, which is like the mid-1800s, who are listed to kill a crazed and demented high-ranking official before he can become part of the shogunate. So this movie is awesome because, like, it's kind of uh, slow for an hour, and then just out of nowhere, it's like a straight hour of just awesome action. Uh, so I definitely suggest that. All right, so uh, where's Takashi Miike now? He's chilling. He almost made a movie in America in 2015 that was supposed to have Tom Hardy in it, but just kind of fell through at the last moment. Um, and he's still making movies regularly. He's still not, pumping them out. Not not quite as uh, as much as he was before, but still making movies. Got still still a movie a year, but re- yeah. Releases in 2019. Yeah, and he most recently as we, as we live and breathe. Yeah, he most recently released a movie called First Love, which is like kind of a love story. Apparently, I haven't seen it, but it's like a love story, uh, but still with some. Kashimike shit. And also, interesting fact, um, he's also been involved with directing a children's show called Idol X Warrior Miracle Tunes, which airs uh, every Sunday in Japan. You can catch it. Looks pretty sick, too. Yeah, it's directed towards children between three and six. And uh, in the credits, as you can imagine, they didn't put his whole name in the credits. Yeah, it lo- it, from what we saw, it looks kind of like a mix of like live-action Pokemon and Sailor Moon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd let my daughter watch it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got some like some bangers playing like the end credit scene was like that was a good song and again it's just so weird because like that all kind of goes to this idea of him just being a full time director when he's not making a fucked up super fucked up movie he's making children's shows apparently he does a lot of commercials he's just constantly back and forth just kind of chilling doing everything so um I think that's about it, y'all. That's about that's about a wrap of Takashi Miike. I mean, anything else we want to talk about here? Let's talk about if these good times are killing us. Oh, yeah, true, true. Big, yeah, let's Oof. get to that. So are the good times killing us? For those of you guys who uh, might need a little refresher, this is when we decide whether or not this topic is a good or a bad thing for us, our society, our civilization. Is this destroying us or is this propelling us? You want to start it, Mark? No, you're first this time. Mark started New Metal. You're okay. first. Yeah. Um, as much as I love these films and everything, I uh, you know what? I don't. I don't think the good times are killing us. Okay. I think this is okay. As as crazy and as sick and as deprived as these films are, they they are they are saying things that that m- most people aren't saying in films. He's he's like pushing it, like you're saying, like the postmodern shit. Like he's really pushing like boundaries just to push boundaries. And really, just show like the monsters that's in all of us. He's not really 
putting out these there there's meaning behind everything he's doing mm-hmm. all the fucked up like incest and rape and shit it's not it may seem on a surface level that it's just in there to be in there but there's there's reasoning behind it he's trying to show the true depravity of of man mm-hmm. and i think that as a whole is is art and a good thing mm-hmm. i'm going to i'm going to second that i think the good times aren't killing us i can see how someone could disagree with that i can totally see that but yeah like you're saying these movies have a deep subtext and like we were talking about before we recorded there's two different approaches you can have towards these movies one can be holy shit look at all this fucked up shit a bunch of again it's an intro phrase look at this shit and just like wouldn't it be crazy if oh she just pissed herself i don't know wouldn't it be crazy (laughs) like there's all these weird elements but also underneath that is this other layer where you can appreciate these movies for their artistic value what they're trying to say about um, the condition of mankind and none of these movies really they don't really celebrate violence they just portray it yeah portray it well they just, they're just like well. here it is uh, <clears throat> take what you will with it this is this is what people are capable of this is the evil that works um, in our heads in our streets and uh, it's out there and that's all it, that's his commentary and also just the postmodern thing about life doesn't really have meaning this morality that makes you say that this movie is disgusting doesn't mean anything because some, <laughs> just some shit somebody came up with exactly yeah. you might have this morality but deep inside your deep head you're capable you could come up with this too yeah. yeah exactly and he just wasn't afraid to to go there i'm gonna go ahead and say yeah i think i agree with you guys these good times aren't killing us specifically but i'm just not i'm not a fan of any of it <laughs> so when like, we yeah, when I'm, we started this i was going to say they were killing us yeah i, I, mean, I remember that really yeah. talking this out like and Analyzing these movies and really just getting deep into it. it it's there's some. I can see some. I can see some redeeming yeah, qualities. Exactly. To some parts, but most of these movies, I'm not a fan. And most people in general are going to be looking at yeah. something on the surface level and like what. I can't even like grasp a plot from Visitor Q for the most part. Mm. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's that's. I will say that specifically that maybe that's killing us. But <laughs> everything else, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think I would be mad if Visitor Q did not exist. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't hate yeah. the movie, but I'm also kind of like, this is a need to be there. I, I, I feel like he almost even said imprint is just uh, well, imprint. Like he said, he's like, oh, you guys. You guys want the audition, dude? He will here. Mm-hmm. I'll give you want a fucking horror movie. I'll give you. A, this is fucking scary. Yeah, Im- Imprint. I think actually has the least amount of subtext. They power, literally so. got fetuses in the end credits. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the movie ends, and then like they show the credits, and then there's just like some fetuses just tumbling away down the river. flowing down the creek, like. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, a little interesting fact before we wrap up: those fetuses um, on set, all the different fetus models were named after the assistant directors. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that was nice. Showing love, dude. Great legacy. Yes. All right, guys. So, um, anything else we want to say before we wrap this up? And we're, we're, I mean, we're pretty much done here, right? Well, don't you want to give a shout out to the Narrow? Yes, that's. I do want to give my. I was going to do that anyway, but I want to give uh, some special thanks uh, to the Narrow Video. They're one of the biggest. Uh, they have like one of the biggest collections of movies on the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, in the whole big, country. Big shout out to the Narrow. And they were fantastic because I live right next to the Narrow, and what really helped supplement our research for this episode were the special features, which a lot of people in this day and age we always stream everything. Thing through yeah. Amazon or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever. Um, but if you if you go out and buy a DVD or even rent a DVD, you get those special features, baby, and that'll give you a lot of insight into uh, your movie. So big shout out to the Narrow. I also want to shout out my friend Leland Lawrence, who's a, a big horror movie freak. When I first kind of was reaching out for an angle on this episode, he's the one that uh, pointed me in the direction of a bunch of um, uh, really good Takashi Miike movies, which I in turn put on unleashed onto all of you. Yeah, um, thanks. <laughs> thanks a fucking lot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Any other shout outs, guys? 
No, no, so this is an obscure one, but next week we're coming at you with something totally different. We're gonna have a great time, and uh, you know whether or not it's good or bad, you can definitely say overall the good times are definitely fucking killing us. We're dead. Look at this! Look at it! Look at it! Look at it! Abortionist.